Welcome back, Old Globies. We just went through a hard week, you know, having to be kind of icky about a movie starring one of our favorite people in the fucking world. But we get to get all that hate and all kinds of other things out of our belly we this be honest, week. Griff. We have we to. Can't. We're not like. See, this is what irritates me about a lot of uh, YouTube people. Uh, sometimes I watch those, uh, like vocal coaches. coaches oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They like uh, they review songs. Review like and... heavy metal singers, like an yeah. opera singer who knows the technical aspects of singing will review like. King Diamond or Bruce Dickinson or Rob Halford, and they never have anything negative to say. It's never. all positive because people want likes, so yes. it's constantly positive. Yeah. And we try to be positive. We, we are positive 90% of the time, right? but we got to give it to you honestly. I think honesty is more important than That's what positivity. We don't get to become the 1% doing the 99% without being honest about everything. It just unfortunately... And I don't think it, we were really that hard on the movie. I think we went out of our way to say... Piper was great. Yeah, he was the the movie was beneath him. He right, needed he needed better material. Right, we we offered up other actors who might have been able to turn that chicken shit into chicken salad, but Piper wasn't far enough in his career yet to really turn that movie into something amazing. That's how we saw it, and it felt I, it was hard to do. I felt bad, you know, not loving that movie because we've done so many movies. I've sat people down and showed them Samurai Cop, thinking everyone's gonna enjoy this, and they don't. I know what it feels like to be in the room with that people. Should, that should be your litmus test. Is this person really my friend? Right. I think so, too. Show them Samurai Cop. If they don't like it, get them out of your We life. might need to reconsider. So yeah. uh, I, I, I'm sorry, all of our fans of uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown, that we don't feel the same way. But, hey, it's not, it's not awful. It's not ginty. We took a vow. We took a vow. We, the, uh, On Madden Lee's hand. Corpse, body. What do we? What do we what, take about? Man, lives right there. Yeah. No, we took. No, we're not going to need the Sweden scale. <laughs> but uh, we took an oath when we, we started this podcast that we were going to be honest with you guys. We're not going to bullshit. We're not going to sugarcoat it. And I thought, I thought we were fair. I don't think we were out of line. I, I hope we were fair. I hope everyone sees us. Dude, not... We're not going to be fair at all today. Oh we're my gonna god! Shit no, hammer we're episode. exercising demons. You've been demon and getting all the demons out already. We're an hour late because of Murray's demons today. He's been praying at the porcelain altar. Yeah, this is how sickening uh, Seagal makes me. The, he's Gives the... you the sour belches. <laughs> the sour Jim Cornette belches. Oh man, I've had it all week preparing for this episode. I was telling Murray and oh. this, was, this is a rough turnaround because we recorded on Tuesday. This is yes. a Saturday, so we recorded a double last Saturday. Then we recorded Tuesday because of the mishap. Yeah, and now we're back here on Saturday. So just be grateful. Give us our flowers. Is all I got. Where to say. are our flowers? You know, you're too lucky you're getting an episode. Why are we apologizing? You should be lucky they're getting an episode <laughs> all the shit we went through. Because we sympathize with people who appreciate a movie and don't have anybody else to throw hey, their arms around and enjoy it with. Yeah, there's people that don't like movies. I don't like this. It's, it's, this you know what? This, this is the kind of people I hate, though. That, like, I'm not going to listen to these guys anymore because they shit on, and we didn't really shit on it. Yeah. They shit on my favorite movie. Just grow up. Grow up yeah. and grow a pair. Yeah, you know I don't care if as long as you have something creative or or uh, valid to say about a movie I like, I'm fine with it. I would say if we did that as a, I mean the guy that the guy that reviewed Deadly Force was a fucking cocksucking piece of shit. Please go listen to that to see what other people review movies like. That's how you don't review a movie. 
I went through. I I even said I liked uh, Hell Comes the Frog Town the second time through. It, I enjoyed it more, but still, it just wasn't my favorite. But yeah, we don't. We gave it. We gave it our full effort. Yeah, we tried. Believe me, yeah. twice. Twice. We gave it our full effort. Oh yeah, that's right. And even after that, we weren't. We weren't th- that bitter with the movie. We had some fun with it. There well, is movie, definitely fun stuff fault. to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It just it. It it's of, a lot funner than the movie we're going to talk about today. Is it? It's a sensei day. Well, we like what well, you were just talking about making chicken salad, a chicken, chicken shit. shit. You're going to experience it today. Yeah. Uh, this is straight to video, Seagal. Yes, I. Mis- or as you said, I misspoke multiple times last week. Okay. I thought because I immediately IMDb'd it or something, and I thought I saw that this got a theatrical release. It did not. Not even in like Croatia or something. I like didn't that. see it listed anywhere. Yeah. So well, I, yeah, when, I wonder when the last theatrical movie he had was a glimmer man or something i don't i would imagine it had been early 2000s or late 99 glimmer man i think was 95 or 6 it had a way in brother i can't think i've lost track of seagal after glimmer man well he puts he had two or three movies out in 2009 how are you supposed to keep track of a man who's that prolific i mean he does the same thing half russians gotta launder that money how much of this movie, by percentage, would you say Seagal was sitting down when he was actually on screen? Or leaning against something? Or leaning against something. A uh, good 83%. Right. No. 83. There's a scene where he's like, I just got to come down the stairs. We don't even see him walk down the stairs. He teleports. He teleports that's, in that's this movie. too much. And then... And we gotta we Murray wants to find this movie for a nickel so we can confirm this. But <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why we started the movie with Jay Giles freeze frame. Oh right, freeze yeah. frame. I, I'm glad we made that joke an hour ago yeah. and then I forgot about yeah. it because of others. But yes, freeze frame. So this I don't know. Is that the director? Is that the editor? It's got to be a director's choice, right? I think it was just the shitty cop. I can't believe because it was all right. What we're trying to say is, and this is completely random. There would be shots that would just freeze for just a, a second, half a second. Yeah, but it was discon. It was hard as fucking shit to watch. Yes, maybe they're trying to make us feel unsettled. I think honestly, that's what they were going. They should have done that for Kill Switch because it was about serial killers, not right. this movie. <laughs> but it was like I. It took me two viewings because I was getting so annoyed. And I we, we I watched it on Tubi first. I was like, "Oh, my stream must be fucked up." Yeah. I, I I went on another place to watch it. Same fucking thing. Right. I, I called him. I'm like, "Are you getting this?" He's like, "Yes, I am." Yeah. So this was a conscious choice. Are you? There, there's this shitty. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a mission. I'm gonna find it on DVD. I'm gonna see if it's played on the DVD like this because it was fucking annoying as oh, shit. It it's so obnoxious. Like. If you're in the need for some sensei, you know, full on going full sensei, like I can't be punched. I'm ultimate. Everybody verbally fellates me all the time. This is one of I those. Women strip for me. Women strip for them, which I'm learning now. Apparently, that's a subdom type kink thing. Yeah. Where the male, male, naked female. Yeah, I don't. Maybe it were. They reverse in, it. Yeah. They yeah. Okay. It. I yeah. imagine that's very reversible, but. So we do have a Seagal, quote-unquote, sexy. No, Mattingly. I know I said the the key word there, but no. We're not firing up the speeds and scale. Right. We're, we're not prepared. We we're, we're working on a tinier laptop than before. This might blow this up in our faces. This machine is much more powerful than the other oh, one. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. 
Uh, but the thing is, we need to figure out. I don't know if we still have contact with Sveetsin because we need the reverse of Sveetsin for this movie. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm a little stuffed. What's up the here. name of that guy who did the Deadly uh, Force uh, review? Maybe he's a reverse. He might be. Jesus, that guy's a wet blanket. Yeah, he's awful. Uh, what were we get? Freeze frame. We did that. Yeah, we did freeze frame because of the freezing shots in this movie. So yeah, you go ahead. Everywhere. And, go ahead. Try to watch some of this movie. Watch at least the first half hour because that's where you get the full Seagal action in. The last half hour is just people shooting at each other for no reason. Yeah, it's very uh, confusing because there's Chinese on Chinese violence. Right, and then they keep throwing around the term Dadu. And I looked it up, and it was just like a city in Pakistan. I didn't do that much research. Well, this is Seagal. You don't do research for Seagal. Well, I did some research. I have a story. Uh-oh. You know, uh, Sensei, even though we're shitting on him, he also, he's a huge influence on our lives. I would, he is our Sensei. He is. He's taught us a lot. And I, so whenever we do these, I try to unearth, like, new tales of the sensei to let There's everybody. millions. Yeah, and I, I try to find them. Because I'm working on the unofficial biography of Steven Seagal. And I found a real keeper for this. All right. We all know that sensei is from Lansing, Michigan. Of course. Of course. He's, of course. He's amazing. Of course he's from Michigan. Right. I mean, you'll notice if you watch this movie, he has an accent sometimes. And yeah. it goes away sometimes. Yeah. That's a Lansing accent. Right. So I'm glad you said that because, yeah, heaven is Michigan, and then there's the hell that's Indiana, where you get Larry Bird and John Cougar concentration camp and all those type of people. Correct. So, of course, he's amazing. He's from here. He drinks from the water of the Great Lakes. That's right. That's what causes the greatness. Yeah. So one, this is this story takes place like, like the mid-70s, 75, 76, uh, sensei was back in town to visit some family. Just got off a black ops operation for the CIA. So he stops down the, the playground with the brothers, play a little pickup basketball. Of course. He never, he's never on the skin side, though. No. It, always no, shirts. It, no, he is. It's shirts, bed sheets. <laughs> oh, and he's oh. always on the bed sheets. Oh. <laughs> and the reason why he's never skins is because he knows that envy is a sin, and he doesn't want people envious of his body. Right. So he, wear, he wraps a bed sheet around himself. <laughs> And he balls like a motherfucker. So he's, you know, destroying as you'd expect. He's taking a break. Like, I'm going to let you guys have some playtime. And then he takes. That was a perfect Lansing yeah. accent. Yes. Yeah. I'm just, we're just mere, like, miles away. My sisters were born in East Lansing. Oh, so, no shit. Yeah. My mom, my mom and dad met in Michigan State. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So, uh, so he's just on the sides with the brothers just chilling and they he notices this kid who's just lightening up he's scoring non-stop and he goes he goes to this guy he's like who that and he goes oh that's this new kid he like he can score like a motherfucker but he's a ball hog he never wins any games because he's a ball hog yeah it's all about him and he's like hmm so he's gonna teach the kid well yeah to... let me let me let, 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 let it roll oh, out I'm sorry I'm he's sorry. like yeah he's like let me go talk to this boy and Bear in mind, people, Sensei Seagal is an honorary black man, so he can say he can call another black man boy. All right, it's okay in the hood. Right, he earned it. He has his ghetto pass. Yeah. Uh, if you're worried about that kind of language, do not watch this movie because no. he calls everybody boy in it. Yeah, or son. Or son. Yeah. So he walks up to this kid. He's like, hey, son. Hey, son. I couldn't help but notice you a baller. And he's like, Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good, but but you always lose. And it's like, yo, I can't help it if these people can't keep it. 
let me tell you something, boy. You definitely got the skills, but you are missing the fundamentals. Whoa. And the kid's like, what are we talking about? He's like, let, 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 let. he's like, any fool can score. Let, let me show you. And to prove his point, Sensei grabbed the basketball, went to the half-court line, turned his back on the, the hoop, chucked it over his back. Storehead. Ripped the net off, Griff. Jesus. And Christ. it was one of those like ghetto chain nets, and it ripped it, it off. Ripped it off. And the guy's like, "Whoa! Teach me more about these fundamentals." Like, I do that for you. So it's like they had an afternoon, a montage-worthy afternoon, where it's God just, damn. it's just like, because he's like, "Let me tell you something, boy. If you set up somebody for a shot and they make it, technically, half that basket's yours. That's right. So you get one point for that. It's true." So if you tear off your shooting and you do the, the assist, you can still get your average. And the kid's like, wow, that makes perfect sense to me. He's like, let me teach you fundamentals. So it's for instance, an afternoon chest pass, overhead pass, bounce pass, baseball pass, chest no. pass, overhead it's a it's a montage worthy fucking afternoon for me. I these feel guys. like I've seen the reenactment of this in that Bolo Young movie. Was yes, that what he was that, doing? Yeah, Bolo was ripping off Sensei. Ripping Seagal. or was he nodding? Nodding. You, I think nodding. So at the end of the day, this kid has seen the light. He's like he's learned the fundamentals. It just took an afternoon. Yeah. And he's like, "Wow," cuz he's like he's like Sensei. He's like, "What? Don't call me Sensei. Call me by my street name, Stevie B." <laughs> He's like, the B stands for blues, man. Of course Because he does. gets embarrassed. I mean, because he teaches everybody. He's like, I'm just one like you guys. I'm a regular person. I'm Stevie B. Yeah. Usually, I hate this. All the stories I've read is he doesn't tell people what the blue stands for, but he must respect this kid enough to tell him straight up. Right. Yeah. If you don't know, then you don't know. So he's just like, you know, it's my pleasure, son. And he tossles his afro, and he goes to walk off, and he stops. And he goes, yo. I never got your name. And he goes, Irvin, sir. Irvin Johnson. <gasps> and then he goes, Irvin. Shit, boy. You magic. And he fucking named Magic Johnson. He turned around, what? a bus drove by, and he disappeared. What? Yes. He gave Magic Johnson the nickname Magic and taught him to not be a ball hog. No fucking shit. And, you know, it sounds far-fetched. No, but I checked. I checked the the dates. That's right. The seventies happened, so it, <laughs> it, I say this is a factual story. <laughs> so that, there you have it. The sensei is sensational. I can't wait to the next time we do a cigar movie to hear more about just the people he ran into, inspired, and next thing you know, they're in the upper. You wouldn't echelon. have had fucking the showtime of the eighties, right? Without Sensei Seagal. Right. right. Remember I mean, that. I know you know some other stories. Obviously, we could spoon feed people. Yeah, I'm constantly just doing research. It's, it's just, like you fall down that rabbit hole of the sensei. Right. Speaking of rabbit holes, we have one director for this movie. A uh, oh, I put this away. Uh, it's like Keanu. Kea- it's like Keanu. 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 Waxman. Waxman. Hold on. Going through the notes here. Here we go. Keanu Waxman. And so he started his directing career in, like, 95, 96. So when Seagal was at his peak, Under Siege and whatever the fuck else he did there. Under Siege 2. Under Siege 2. And Waxman and Seagal's careers didn't meet until 2009. So This movie? 
Yeah, like the with this movie, I think he did the other movie so that was done kind, in 2009. This is kind of like the De Niro Scorsese of straight to video martial arts movies. And holy shit, did their careers take off together? Because for the next four years, they put out 14 movies together. And none of them were anything to do with laundering Russian mobster money. Nothing. Even though if you look at the credits, the casting is always Asian people and Russian people. Yes. But definitely not laundering. Not at all. So I'm I I kept following Waxman. What did you do? What did you? He's been he's. I think I saw that he worked with Gary Daniels some, and then I ended up down so the, the Gary greats. Daniels hole. So I was like, "Fuck, man, we gotta look into some Gary Daniels in the future." Did he do a Gary Daniels movie called Rage? Is that what we did? Or no, oh. I've seen it. I, I I I saw Rage pop up, but I don't remember if Waxman was involved with okay. it. So there, that's a classic. You know, the other day I was school ta- teacher Gary Daniels. We're always talking like, man, we gotta we gotta figure out more. Mo-. There is infinite amount of action movies. Yeah, this uh, this show can go on forever. This and well, we we're gonna do. We our dream is to do like Kiss and have people replace us, like impersonators that look like us. Oh, really? So we're eternal. Like when we die, we can have somebody. It's a shame because we found people who sound like us, but they don't look anything like us. And yeah, we and know it's important. This, even though we don't do video, it's yeah. very important that you get the look. We j- it just makes well, Mattingly would be terribly, terribly confused if he walked in, heard us, and didn't see us. Yeah, well, we're gonna download Mattingly's brainwaves and put it in a robot, so he'll be eternal too. He'll be eternal too. That yellow jacket is gonna look so good on a robot. Yeah, I love it. Um. Do we have any sen- do we need to talk more about this movie before we go well, into it? Well, I don't know. I guess there's certain tropes we're learning that we didn't really pay attention to before of a Seagal, especially a straight to DVD Seagal that we're going to I guess when we go through it, we'll point Well, unearth. I mean, I I don't sitting. We get a lot of sitting. We get a lot of uh, this, and also I want to point out this is the pre-Entman Donut goatee Seagal. He's got the he has the Count Chocula hairpiece. He does. <laughs> he's just kind of fat now. I mean, he's not super fat. He's a full body. Yeah, yeah. big head. Kayla got to see some of this, and she said his head is enormous. That's well, that's that's a trait that a lot of uh, movie stars have because it looks good on on screen. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, a lot of stars, have, they're like lollipops. Big head, <laughs> little body. But he's got a big head and a big body. Uh, slap fighting. Tons of slap fighting. It, I mean, this was classic to Young Seagal, too, was the... <laughs> yeah, I don't... Akito. I don't remember when Kill Switch, the last Seagal movie we did, came out. They had a lot of egregious uh, stuntman work, stunt double work. Yes, This is, I will give the sensei, even though it's a million and one quick cuts... He's doing most of the action when it's action, when it's acting, meaning having a conversation with someone. He's too big a star to like actually be in the scene with the people. So you, whenever they show the face of the person talking to him, it's his obvious double. Yeah. Back of his head. You're right. You're right. They do like the TV interview type of thing where the camera now goes behind his head and he's looking at man. That scene where he's counting money on the bed and he's barely mumbling. There's Chinese. Uh, this money, this, this must money. be this money. It's like no shit, it's money. I, it's like, but you see, I bet you, you can probably tell it's Chinese. But and there's Chinese writing on the bands that are holding yeah, it together. It's American he's money. He's like just basically stating the obvious. Yes, he's and she's just, like, whoa. I know Tia is the perfect dumb 
idiot to be like his, you know, to for him to blow his well, mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, he punched up the script, so well, yeah, he executive produced it. Yeah, I, I believe Waxman, 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 Waxman. He he wrote it. I know that. Too. Yes, he wrote, wrote and directed. directed. It's amazing, amazing piece. Yes. I'm curious. I'm curious to know more about him, but hey, it's gonna take us nine hours, so we might as well get on the trail. All right, what more can I say? Steven Seagal is a dangerous man. There's a body in here, man. She dead? Get the car started now. These guys were drug mules. killed my friends. I need help. My uncle's involved with some senior members in the Chinese army. These men are in charge of an area known as the Golden Triangle, a place in Burma where the poppies are cultivated. The deal was, I get half the money up front, the other half when I give you the uncle. This big guy. Maybe Indian, I don't know. He took the money and he took the girl. This is drug money. It's obviously uh, Chinese drug money. I'm sure folks are looking for this real hard. Guy's name is Shane Daniels. He's ex Special Forces. The guy's a killing machine. After this, now they have her uncle. And if we don't step in, they'll kill him. You want the old man? You pay with your life. I've been dead for a long, long, long time. Well, it looks like we're in a room with three dead men. All right, we're coming to, and we got a lovely young woman getting into her car. Not a young, really young, too young for Sensei Seagal, young woman. Right. We know this woman below. Okay. This is a trope that uh, I, I, I think went over our heads for a minute there, but I just remembered this is a trope we've had to bring up in the past. Um, often in Seagal movies, he's married to a woman who is Way out of killed. League. Way out of his league, always half thousand his age. percent. Half his age, way out of his league. Clearly, was a stripper at some point. A yeah, Russian stripper. Probably. Russian stripper, probably. But there's always a bit to motivate Seagal to get revenge or whatever, where his wife dies. Well, that's it, every action movie. Think yeah, there's that. a lot of them that do that. Yeah. So, I notice in the IMDb credits and the post movie credits of this, his wife's name was just. Shane's wife. We've done multiple <laughs> movies now where Seagal's wife's name is just his character, Nico usually, Nico's wife. Yeah, we should say his character is Shane Daniels. Shane Daniels. I've, I've always said I've never met a Shane who wasn't a douche, so this is perfect name for this character. So as I was saying, his wife is talking to him on the cell Walking phone. Walking toward her car. Yep, getting in, not the driver's seat, passenger seat. She knows her place. Yeah, we I should... don't know. What was... I don't understand this, this situation. So they're meeting up at their car. They're in separate places, and they're going to meet up at their car? Right. It's just... 
confusing as fuck because the car is also in the middle of nowhere. It's right before a bridge. Yeah, he, he she gets in the car and I'll be right there. And then she hangs up and immediately a fucking sex maniac grabs her. Yes. And he says, I want to have sex with you. And that's how you know he is horny. As soon as he grabs her, Sensei teleports out of nowhere. What was that? <laughs> His looked like he was wearing a jacket made out of like couch upholstery. Like it was like this it was like cross between a leather jacket and like a smoking jacket. Like yeah. it was like kind of velvety. Like it velvety red swirls. Right. It. it had a texture where it didn't look like it'd be fun to the touch. Velvet, I'd say, is fun to the touch. This looked like that foil thread that old people like put through shit. Or some shit. Ugh, I did not like this at all. But he is classy. So he's got that fancy jacket on. And yeah, it just when it's looking bad for his wife, he's there and he is pummeling. And I is this where we get a first slap fight? I think we, he just starts pummeling him. Okay. I could, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a master of the slap fight, but why wasn't he the host of slap fight? I bet that shit could have taken, taken off. Dana White, you idiot. But uh, yeah, so he just thrashes the guy because like we said, he never... My biggest gripe with Seagal, and the one thing I always give Van Damme is he never shows vulnerability. Never. Never a moment of weakness. Not even a moment of weakness. He's always in control of the fight, always dominating, always destroying. Right. Even usually when he's like, go ahead, hit me, punk, I'll give you a free one. He's such a fucking heel that he'll dodge that and slap the guy. Right. So this is one of our one of our favorite parts of modern wrestling is they fight off into the distance. And well, the then, guy runs away and he chases him. Yeah. And, well, we assume he chases him. It's Seagal. He can't run. But, yeah. And then we hit the credits. And we were just First set of credits, by the way. Right. We were talking last week. The, the one thing I enjoyed about Hell Comes to Frogstown was the credits. These were similar credits. They were. And that there were shots from the film showing the actor and their, playing their character. And we also see in this credit the character of Tia she got the kiss of death. Whenever you get in the credit and introducing, yep. you would never have a career. That's you a kiss of death. Only movie she's been in. She always she was in another movie. I forget what it was. She played the role the role of lusty dancer. Oh no, she got downgraded because we have lusty dancers in this, and she got well. She got upgraded because this was the previous film. Her career ended with this movie. Oh, okay. She was lusty dancer before, and then yes. this. Okay, got even you. though they they are lying to us, she was not. She and they were, they were, they were introducing us, but we'd seen her before. We've as lusty seen, dancer. You remember her as lusty? Dancer. I didn't remember, but I saw the credit. Okay, IMDb credit. So yeah, don't. When if any if you're an aspiring actor and like we're gonna call we're you're you're gonna be a star. We're gonna say and introducing no say no. Just put my name in there. Just put it in because that's a kiss of death. It really is. So we get all the characters. We, all just... we get the main characters in this set of credits. Because yeah. I, I shit you not, there's two sets of credits to this movie. Yeah. And the second set of credits is like other people. So we get to see like some of the big bad guys introducing What's-Her-Face. And then, of course, Steven Seagal gets 45 different credits. Yeah. Executive producer, main actor, main stuntman. Fight choreographer. Fight choreographer. Catering. Uh, uh, guru to the staff. Dog trainer. There was uh, no dog in this movie. <laughs> no, there wasn't. Breast examiner. Breast examiner. Federal booty inspector. Wow, it's federal now? It's, well, he's federal. He's not state? He's not state. He's federal. That, that means he's a big dog. 
but this wasn't made while Trump was president. I can see Trump actually literally giving him that position. Well, he is a big fan. Well, I mean, Seagal is a Central friend of Putin, inspector. so why wouldn't he be a friend of Trump, too? Well, yeah. They're both, yeah, they're all friends. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, do we also, is this where we see the, uh, the, the, the cargo ship? And we see the inside. There's a bunch of Chinese immigrants. Dude, I, I think that was in a that was uh during the other set of credits. I okay, shit you not. See, two sets. We see a cargo ship with a lot of like immigrants there. Chinese oh. immigrants were being obviously illegally snuck into our. Yeah, country. that's in the notes. It's just in another minute. Okay. Like they did this so weird because they did one set set of credits, and now we're doing this part where we're in the next morning, and Shane. Seagal's character is being interrogated. And this is another thing we see in every Seagal movie. The listing of his credits by another character about how amazing he is. So, fans, keep track now because this is the first time somebody has done it. So we learned that that perp that he was fighting was found dead. We didn't see the end of the fight. We just saw Sensei chasing him. Yeah, like I said, they fought off. We didn't see the end of it. So, But this guy's like, it's obviously you. You're a trained killer special ops five years ago you didn't exist five years from now the person from me will not exist you did it this guy was torn apart and they show a flashback of the guy all mangled and shot right lots of, like you said there's a lot of quick cuts in this so it's really annoying because you mix those quick cuts in with the freeze frames for fuck's sakes. But they do a good job with the flashbacks, making them black and white, so we know they're flashbacks. This is true. I'll give you that. So he, you know, the cops telling him you're gonna be in prison for a long time, and then we cut to more credits. Yes. So this is what okay. you were getting all, all excited right. about. So well, well, I'm just saying it's important to the. the you just want to get plot. into the best boy and the grips guy and. Introducing so and so is the best boy. <laughs> so we see there's a there's a, like an old older man in a suit who's down in the bowels of this ship being snuck into America, it's Seattle to be exact. Yes. So all right, so now kangaroo court witch hunt, much like what our great president's going through right now. Right. He was just without any evidence. He was thrown in jail six years later, doing a hard time in the meanest penitentiary in Seattle, Washington has to offer. I don't That's think there's right. any penitentiaries in Seattle itself. Maybe Washington. Maybe like the east side where all the rednecks and shit live. Yeah, maybe. But I don't but anyway, it's a rainy do rag kind of day. <laughs> well, he's full lancing in this shot. He's wearing he's wearing this do rag. Do you think Ja Rule kinda introduced him to do rags? I think so. Hundred percent. He looks like uh Little Stevie from the E Street Band. Yes. Oh my if God. he was like pulled out of the river, like he bloated, <laughs> bloated up. Yes, I can see it. I can see it. What? Oh. And he's much. reading this note from his wife. She did not die, Griff. She's just leaving. This is this is probably the most vulnerable you ever showed. Like a woman would leave him. You know, you're you're 100 right about that. It. Know what I got? I got undefeated callbacks. This is the note that fucking his. In fact, yeah. very similar. Stingray's wife left him. Yeah, and then if he didn't do no though, he's too much of a man. Stingray's a bitch next to Shane. He quietly inherit like just uh, uh, encompasses all. I want to point out this is like the middle of the night. He's out in the yard by himself. 
Yeah, he's in between two sets of columns with barbed wire and watchtowers all over. He's just standing. He might out be outside there. the prison for all we know. I don't know what's going on. And then they have like that orange street light just on him. Like Waxman went really hard on this fucking shot. And we hear like, "I had to move on. It's been six years. You can't expect me. You know, you you're in jail for saving my life." And then we notice that since it's raining, she. She was nice enough to laminate the, the Dear John note. <laughs> right. Paper, he's like holding it hard. It's not ripping. The ink's not running. He tries to crumple it up. It just uncrumples. Yeah, so I mean, he's a broken man. He's in prison for a crime he did not commit, and his wife just left him. And For the guy that tried to rape her. We no, think he's we're, dead. We think we're going to, you know, if you know Sensei like we know Sensei, we're about to have a moment where we meet his black friend in prison. I was waiting for that. And he's like, hey, hey, brother, what's going on? And do like a black guy handshake. Like he would walk in and some white people would pick on him, but then his black brothers would bail him out. And he'd be like, you know, I could take those well, guys. It would be like a uh, wisecrack and black. It probably a, a former or current uh, rapper. Maybe the guy from Downey by Nature would be like. Yeah, okay. Be like, yo, Shane, what's up, bro? And he's like, right. What's up, baby? And then they would do the fucking black guy handshake. Yeah. I, you see, I see it like a new guy coming into the prison, tries to pick a fight with Steven, uh, uh, Shane. And Shane is just like, boy, you don't want to do that. And then all, you know, his friends. Well, he would be like, boy, you don't want to do that. Yeah. All of his black friends would start laughing and be like, oh, you're going to take a piece of shade? What would, his, what would his prison name be? That's what I want to know. Sensei doesn't want to give it to us, though. It would be Shade Dog. Shade Dog. But, but yeah, I maybe got lost in a freeze frame. Maybe there is that scene, but we missed it because of the freeze frame. Because of the freeze frame. Yeah. Maybe... This was very meant jittery for, movie. Maybe it plays correctly maybe on Laserdisc. It's jittery because it's set in Seattle, but they're really into coffee. Oh, you—that's a good point. Maybe Waxman was like, "This would be a subtle kind of nod to Seattle." Like, I want people to understand this. In a moment, we're going to be getting to this scene, and so I'll, I'll stop and pause there and try to just just tear this whole little freeze frame apart. But. Actually, we're going to it right now because we just cut from him He's and a his broken sad, man. sad letter. He has no hope. To or does he? Yeah, now he's got hope. Next scene, he's in like a parole board meeting kind of thing. Already in street clothes, baggy ass leather jacket. Yes, and his do good lawyer, who's working working for Project Innocence, found that there was DNA linking that gun that killed the guy to another perp. We never find out anything about this. No, just. This criminal happened to run into another criminal and get killed, apparently. Hey, that that was good. But they're going to make it up to Shane. They're going to they're going to quit him. All charges his record will be expunged. His record doesn't exist yet. Will be expunged and he will be awarded $300,000. But that's not good enough for Shane. Shane isn't about money. He's about honor as we'll learn. Right. Judge, if I can have a moment with you. He's got glasses by the way that he set down. I've never seen him wear glasses in this movie. But you know, for a court or you know whatever the, the hearing, he had a, he had to come in with glasses until he realized he was going to be acquitted, and then he put him down. He's like, I spent fourteen years in the military, special ops, serving my country, six years in the penitentiary. I don't care about this money. What I want, money cannot replace the life that I lost. Not my name, my reputation, my life, my wife, my family. I want my life back. 
and he literally flips files on the judge. Right, and the judge cringes. He's a bitch. The judge just says, "Kid, I offer this as a, a olive branch," and hands him his black do rag back. I wish that were a scene, honestly. Yeah, so he basically refuses that money because it's it's like that's not gonna buy money can't buy his honor back. Did he? Didn't he take it? I don't think he did. I thought he did. I don't know. Because they weren't going to hand him a bag full of $300,000. dollars sure they weren't? <laughs> in a Seagal movie, yes, they would. So a maybe you're right. A with a dollar sign on it? Right. <laughs> Say that uh, his, his cellmate, uh, Robert Sadar, might have... Uh, there we go. And that his mom keeps it in a hotel off the highway. All right, we're cutting over to... All right, this is where the cargo ship is. Oh, you know what? This was the annoying scene for me. Okay. Because... One of the freeze frames is on his lawyer pleading her case, you know, pleading his case, and she says that she's with Project Innocence. And she does want to, like, do a freeze frame on her, but it's not a flattering freeze frame. Like, she, her, her one eye's closed, the one eye's half open. Like, it, it's not flattering at all. So I was like, wait, is this really skipping? What the fuck is going on? I don't on? know. It's a very frustrating movie. Because it's when when we talk about they do freeze frames, you think like they throw a document and so the audience can look at the document real quick. They freeze on it. No. Weird times. They just like freeze on this. So literally lawyer, one eye open, one eye closed, like looks drunk, looks out of place, boots falling out of her blouse. It's like, why are we doing this? So, please. We got a whole another hour and a half to do here. All right, so this is where we cut to the scene I was alluding to earlier where we see the ship off the coast of Seattle and there are Chinese immigrants and we see this man wearing a suit, older man, being taken off and forced into a car and taken to a safe house. Here's what's confusing. Doesn't the movie end with the ship coming in, though? And then him getting in another car? And now Millie wants to add to this? She's also offended by this movie. Hey, Mill. Can you stop? Thank you. Okay. Nope. Nope. Give her a minute here. Yak, yak, don't talk back. No. I Yes and no. I think you're right that they were supposed to be waiting for a ship later in there, but at the same time, they said he's taken to a safe house. Maybe they're taking him to another boat to the later thing. Yeah. There's a lot of fucked up. What confuses me is that Colonel later on says, we're waiting for the boat to come in. So I'm like, what fucking boat is this? Why is is this supposed to be in the future that we're seeing this take place? Because if it is, they get no. the car wrong. Well, because, no, because that would be, because the, the flashbacks from black and white. Yeah. Future would be like. But that would be a flashback. Like Predator vision. <laughs> predator vision. Or RoboWar vision. Because we know he gets picked up at the end of the movie in a Hummer. And in this scene, he's not getting into a Hummer. All I know is at this point, he's on he's on the mainland and he's taken in a car somewhere. Now the movie is going to get good, Murray. <laughs> yes. Okay. Shane, do-rag and all. He's living in the hood. He's, he only got 300 k He can't afford Live, you know, this is very expensive in Seattle. First of all, the hoods in Seattle, rough, 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 scary. Yes. I've been there, scary place. That's a very scary. Place. And he's stopping at the liquor store to buy himself a bottle of Jacks. That was so good. Not Jack Daniels, Jacks. This they froze, freeze, froze framed, freeze framed on it three different times, so you could read the make makeshift Jacks label they made for it. There's a 
like a fucking 15-year-old boy working the register at this liquor store. Just put Michael Sarah in your head because he's just like a nervous 2009, you know, like 20-year-old. Sensei Durag and all goes up, just throws a crumpled bill on the the counter and walks out. That's it. He stared at the bottle. The bottle, by the way, the pl- everything about this scene I love so much because we know, guys, if you listen to any of our other Sensei Seagal, he almost always has a liquor store scene where he gets in a fight because yeah. they're robbing the liquor store. But Sensei realized. You know what this movie was losing? Um, missing? <laughs> missing? Uh, acoustic. He doesn't. He didn't have a. You're right. He never uh, broke. He didn't break yeah. anything over his knee. I don't think. No, he did not. Well, uh, maybe some, arms, some necks. Yeah. Yeah, but he always uh, does that. But yeah, you're right. Never did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the bottle of Jacks, and it is literally they took a Jack Daniel bottle <laughs> and just put this new label over it, but it's on a wine rack, and there's just they're just like laying out on display like this is the best <laughs> liquor you could buy. Jacks. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved it. I loved it. It's great. He pays for it, and he walks outside, and there's a couple of thugs out there trying to – middle of the night. We saw him as he was walking in yeah. the liquor store. We're like, those guys are up to no good. No good. Selling a car at the middle of the night. Right. I'm assuming it's a stolen car, and they're trying to get it off their hands, and they they make him an offer he can't refuse. One fucking second and listen. That's why you're slipping, dog. Yo. Want to buy some wheels? Nah, man, you know, I don't know how much. How much? For this classic car? Tell you what, I like your face. So, uh, how about everything you got? Everything I got. Look, man, you want to jack me? Is that it? Yeah, that's Let me tell you something. I just got out of prison for something I didn't do. And before that, I used to, like, you know, study real hard. And learned all kinds of different ways to kill motherfuckers just like you. (laughs) This motherfucker talking shit. So, let me go. Just let me go on by. Or I'll fuck you up, ugly. <laughs> fuck you up, ugly, he says. Both of us? Tell me something. What's that mean, fuck you up, ugly? It means your mama won't recognize you in your coffin. Talking about my mama? Hand it over, motherfucker. <laughs> See this gun here? I'm just gonna pop the slide release and pull this bitch off. Then I'm gonna take this, and I'm gonna fuck you up ugly. No, oh, no! Fuck you. We had a. Put some sensei in there. We just wanted you guys to know what a Lansing accent sounded like. Because he, he's all over with the Lansing accent in this scene. Yeah. Um, did this? Sorry to get off topic, but did this black scent? It's a black scent, is what it is. Did it? He did not have this in the movies I remember seeing. His his when he was the, the straight to the cinema movies. Yeah, he adopted this sometime around two thousand. I would say yes. I is think- it because of working with all the rappers that he picked it up? Sometimes you do that. You're like you're in your you live in England. You start like Madonna picked up. I was up just that, gonna say Madonna English accent. Michigan's own Madonna. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I think that's exactly what happened. I feel like I want to say the movie was Exit Wounds in like two thousand or something. I think that's when he started picking up the black set and the do rags, probably. Yeah, he's just—I mean, he's—I think because he feels more relaxed, he can be himself. He's trying to be somebody 
larger than life when he was a superstar. Right. And now he's just like, I'm, I'm going to be me, Stevie B. I mean, Seagal has always been about, like, I'm peaceful, I'm a man of the world. Except when I'm brutally, brutally beating the shit out of somebody. Right. Nobody is more brutal in movies than Steven Seagal. And we're going to tell it right now in this Dude, scene here. This is the most brutal I have ever, ever seen Seagal. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. He takes one guy out really quickly. He grabs the, the other guy. Yeah, the, the the talker pulls a gun on him. Yeah. And Seagal does his move where he leans and snaps it around and then shoots his buddy with the gun that the guy was just holding. Okay. With the guy's hand. <laughs> he somehow slits that fucking salami <laughs> finger in there with the other guy's finger. That's why he has a little long fingernail. So he can like <laughs> that, that is why, yeah. Yeah. And it's not a coke nail. It's a it's a trigger nail. So he breaks the guy's wrist to turn it around so he can shoot his buddy. Grabs that guy, opens the car door. I, lo- I this was actually good. Grabs his like coat, his coat, and then slams the door on his coat so he can't move. This was good actually. And then he grabs the gun. He says, "See this? This is a whatever gun." Like takes it off, like breaks it down to it's just like a fucking handle. Yeah. And then he proceeds to. Beat this guy's cave, this guy's face in with the fucking gun. Yeah, you guys heard it in the audio. We don't remember exactly what happened in there. That's why we're uh, skipping. Somebody was ugly. Uh, uh, you're some kind of motherfucker. Your mom won't even be able to recognize you, baby. Uh, something like that. That was, that was not a Lansing accent. I don't know what that was. Well, no, was I don't know how to do a Lansing accent. accent. I'm not a man of Michigan like you are. Royal, I'm not. I wasn't born here. Michigan. I know where I was born, unlike <laughs> you. Is it? I just want to put it out there. People contact me. Is it weird to be, how old are you? 36. 36. And not know where you were born? Is that weird? I uh, Griff seems totally normal. To not know the city you were born in. I I had to get my birth certificate certificate for some my you know some identification type stuff, and I had to call my mom because I was like, was I born in Detroit? And she's like, no, your brother and sister were. You weren't. You were born in Royal Oak. So. I had to go to Pontiac. I had to go to your neck of the woods. Which, where I was not born. If anybody needs a $300 purebred German Shepherd, I know where you can find one. Okay. Somewhere out by you. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, hey, it's a, glad you brought that up. This is a story no one could care about, but those dog fighting people next door to my sister, they mysteriously disappeared. Dogs disappeared. I don't know what happened. I think cops came by and said, you, you can't be breeding fighting dogs. Oh, okay. That's good. So... They're probably no. It's probably not good. They were probably killed. But anyway, oh, speaking Christ. of brutality, he's caving this guy's face and kicks him so hard his jacket comes out of the fucking car door and he goes through the window. Yeah. God damn, this is. And then brutal. he decides, I kind of like this car they got for sale, so he gets into it and just fucking drives. He off. heads back inside. Oh, yeah, because he looks up and he notices there's a camera. And he's, whenever, he just got out of prison. He ain't going back. He's 2009, I didn't think people were this worried about cameras yet. But apparently they were. Hey, 2001, you know, 9-11 changed 9/11. everything. You're right. So I don't know. I'm sure there would be cameras inside the store. I don't know why they'd be outside. The I don't know. Yeah. Well, he looks up. We get a shot. We see from the POV of the camera itself. Yeah. And then he walks. The kid is like fucking sweating bullets. He's getting a shotgun out. 
And so Seagal comes in, hey, baby, keep cool. Put that shotgun down, which is actually well, where like, Conan got that line from. Yeah, he's like, you don't want to get hurt now, baby. Yeah. And he goes, grabs the fucking VHS out of the security camera, walks. He's like, you didn't see nothing, baby. And he's just like, go. Feel free to call the cops, but count to 100 before you do it. I bid you adieu. Kapoo. He went full Kenny Omega on him. That's just for us. Sorry, everybody. Gets in that stolen car and takes the fuck off. And the guy's still counting. So, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And Waxman, I, I'm sure this wasn't Waxman's single choice. I'm sure Sigal forced him to do this. They actually panned down and he pissed himself. Yeah. All right. So one stolen car deserves another. So now we're reading some other characters. Uh, Sergey and Straight Gay. Or Sergey and Sir Straight, I should say. Yeah, sorry, I don't remember how they, like, did I actually get the names right at this point in the notes? Because I didn't hear I don't it. think the guy had a name. I think he was just, he was. Other guy did not have a name, but Sergey obviously yeah, did. Yeah, Sergey and Sir Straight. <laughs> so they're, like, in a stolen car drinking some bud. Sergey is not drinking. Sir Straight is. And he's the passenger. And it's weird that he's Sir Straight because he's drinking Bud Light. Right. What was interesting, though, is he had a can of Bud Light, a bottle of Bud yeah, Light. He had, all kind of, he had, like, a vaping Bud Light. I don't know if it was possible. He's vaping Bud Light. He had a tall blood boy. Light. He had the vape. He had a bong with fucking Bud Light. He had it. shooters of Bud Light. I was so confused because, I mean, when you buy booze, you usually buy he a six-pack. He had six a keg. Pack. It was like, what? God, you like Bud Light. <laughs> Wait till you hear when, like, 15 years from now when it's all gay. Now, Sir Straight. I want you to know, I don't go to, like, big sports events, but, you know, I go sometimes to Toledo to see the Mud Hens, and I do keep track. I'm like, who's buying Bud Light now? Are people really not buying Bud Light because Kid Rock told them not to? And uh, a lot of people aren't buying Bud Light. But well, men, men of conviction. It, it's Ohio, so there's a lot of yinglings happening down there. So they got to stop because guys are like, man, I got a cop squad. I got to drain the vein. I got to empty the lizard. I got my teeth afloat, and I hey, got to pee pee. I got to tell you what, uh, Sergey, I've been watching a lot of Seagal lately, and pff, my belly's rumbling. So you need to stop now, or I'm going to ruin this stolen car. And Sergey, like, <laughs> you got to tell me twice. As they're doing that, they drive by a cop car, a speed trap. And he's like, hey, put that beer away. We're going to get busted. We're in a stolen car. And he's like, don't worry about it. There's probably some Chinese people driving by. They'll get pulled over. And then he does a racist Chinese thing. We won't talk about and it. And they stop at the rest stop. Apparently no nothing it's shady a, going on. People yeah. are just using the bathroom. It's a rest stop slash docks. There's a bridge for some reason by there that, that uh, Shane is hanging out at. Right. Wistfully re- remembering. His uh, the time his his wife strip teased for him. Yep, I love this because then we just Sensei is wearing all black, black do rag. Hey, I think we okay. flipped this out, but when he was reading the Dear John note, wasn't he flashbacking to her stripping for him? Yes, too? he was. He was. Okay. We did not bring that up while he yeah. was reading the letter. We get the flashback. That's and this... the most fucking romantic, heartfelt moment he remembers of his wife when she was stripping for me. Right. That shows says, you what is a slime ball Seagal is. Right. It was, yeah. And so he's flashing back to it again, just her titties out. He's, again, fully dressed. 
<laughs> and has a sheet on his lap. Like, <laughs> fucking, what is going on with Sensei? Because we've seen this as far back as the Out for Justice, I this think. This is a tr- another Seagal trope that we didn't really pick up on. I think I think the Swedes and scale really opened our eyes to how much sexuality is going on in these movies. But yeah, he has to have a scene where a woman half his age, way out of his league, strips for him while he, he's mildly amused by it. He is like doing a Santa Claus, like nodding in approval look. That's That was what I take from this because he's always just like, maybe not that, but it, it's just like, oh, you got a new train set, Tommy. Cool. You did good, pig. You have a you sexy body there, wife of mine. So he's reminiscing about his wife stripping for him. And so these guys are coming out, take a pee. And then there's another car. Hey, what do you know? There's some Chinese guys in it. Oh, God damn And the it. cop is like, driving while Chinese. I got to pull these guys over. And, you know, go figure. The cops are being racist because these guys aren't Chinese. They're doodad. What did I say that? Dadu? Dadu. But that's supposed to be Chinese. They might be. I don't know. They're not Pakistani. Is it a gang thing? Is it like I a Chinese gang thing? I I don't know. It's probably supposed to be some like Shaolin Temple bullshit. Maybe. Like goes back thousands of years. Right. All I know is they're Chinese. One, and I don't I don't mean to be racist, but they really needed to mix up their Asian actors. They look too similar. I think just give a guy a mustache, a beard, a goatee. Like everybody had the same haircut. They did. And they all the same, so it was confusing me. Like this one guy, he looked like Ellie Young's like Loser brother, like yes. I, I, he point. I go, okay, that guy, this guy stands, stands out. We, what did we talk about this in recently? Where we're like, these guys pop, they stand out. That's what is fucking really been frustrating to me about finding pictures for our Twitter. These movies are so visually bland. bland. Look, everybody looks the same. Everybody dresses the same. Like in the eighties, your villains would be popping, dude. Compliment to How Comes the Frog Town. Rye looks amazing. We talked constantly about uh, Celentine. What was her name? Sandal Bergman. The woman, my ex-wife, Sandal Bergman. No, not her. Oh. I can't remember what her name was. Sentinella. Sentinella. She popped. The frog people looked pretty cool in my book. So that had it going on. But this movie, everybody is Why? Because it was an 80s movie. Exactly. The 2000s movie. They actually Everything's put bland. Everything's Russian. So he pulls over these guys for driving while Chinese. Right. And and they're, 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 you could literally see in the background the cops are pulled up to the Chinese men. And in the background, you see the one guy walking around with his dick out, grabbing onto some honkers, losing beer everywhere, pissing. And they're just yes. like, those are just good Sensei white boys. Sensei was masturbating on a bridge. <laughs> These guys were publicly intoxicated. Pissing, chitting. And he's just like, you guys look suspicious. And he's <laughs> they're, like. They're wearing suits and like nice jackets. Right, but they're they're playing like a dumb. They're like, sorry, no English. No English, huh? Get out of the car. Suspicious. Get out of the car. What's in the trunk? Frisks some. There's a stand over there. Went full Matt Riddle frisk. Did he? Two fingers? Three. Three? And without a glove. Oh, man. Opens up the trunk. What is this? There's like a duffel bag going through it. The guy pulls on his jacket because no English. Close. There's, uh, there's no way any of this is legal. Like, I can just start like searching through your car because I, I have a suspicion. Because you don't speak English, I can look through your fucking car. Right. So he opens the trunk. He's like, look, he's like, and he sees all this money. And then, like, fuck. 
Chinese guys look at each other. We got to kill this guy. The cop does a good eye acting job here because once he sees the money, he turns out, turns around, and his eyes are wide open. And then fake Al Leong is there with a gun and shoots him. Right, and then the guys, the boys see like then then Sensei zips his pants up. Shit, I got to get involved. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna get ugly. Fuck. So. This is after the cop finds a bag of money. He they, gets they the shit. Sh- yeah. They beat the fuck out of the cop. They shoot him, beat the fuck out of him. He's like, I'll throw my radio away. Please don't kill me. Uh, uh, Sir Straight <laughs> drops his keg, makes a noise, and they're like, oh, shit. So he's opening fire at these guys. Yeah. They Sir, pull- uh, Sir Straight runs for it. A uh, Sir Gay <laughs> hides behind his car. Yeah. And then when they start. <laughs> Cause, uh, oh so no, Sir Strait Sergei, gets fucking killed. Yeah, Sir Strait runs for the bridge to nowhere. Well, he sees Sensei, so he's like, "That's got to be the safe haven." Sensei's over here. Sensei's though. running, his dick flopping out of his <laughs> pants, his cargo <laughs> pants that he was wearing. Guys, remember, he was jerking off to the images of his wife stripping while he was fully clothed. Well, it's just kind of funny that in public he can get his dick out, but he can't when his wife is hot for him. What does that say yeah, about What him? does that say about What does that say about our sensei? Maybe he should be called Sergey. So sensei is doing, while well, all this action is happening, the Asians, uh, Sir, Sir Straight, <laughs> is getting, and no, I'm saying while well, this was all happening, Sir Straight is being noticed and being shot at. Sensei has moved in and stuffed a why rag. Do, uh, why do they, and that is do a rag, why do they, Always do the thing where guy like outruns the bullets. Like he, you can just. Oh yeah, yeah where they yeah, shoot, yeah. they spray the bullets from left to right, and the guys and outrun. They, yeah, and they're I, shooting at the ground for some reason. I don't know. It's that's just a, what, that's a trope we need to get rid of. We really do. And it, then yeah, Sensei Shane pulls out a, another rag. I guess his cum rag. Like, I think it was a sock. You know what? It was a fucking jizz rag. Where else yeah. did he get? He's out of prison. Yeah, was I mean, that his prison jizz rag? Could have been. It was a tube sock, and he puts it in the uh, the gas tank of sir, of his car that he stole because mm-hmm. he wants to make a distraction. So right. he sets it on fire. Fucking Sergei's about to get killed by the Asians until the car explodes, distracting them. Then the Asians are like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, sir, or, Sergei, <laughs> is, Shane is on Eliong. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, wh- there's a better name for Al Leong. Fake Leong. <laughs> Fo Leong. Fo Leong. Oh, there we go. And he's slapping the shit out of Fo Leong. Yeah, this is where we get the full-on three minutes of... <laughs> Sergey is trying... Like, why does the car not start? It's like that classic car doesn't start for some reason. Yeah, horror movie trope. Car won't start. Yeah, he gets it up, uh, starts driving away. Mao, who is the non, uh, uh, he's going to be our surviving. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be our. Surviving he's the main here. hench in this movie. He gets in the car, blocks Sergey's way. It looks like Sergey's going to die, and that's when the sensei. I think he. Well, they all. We also got to point out they kill the cop before all this happens. Yes, they the cop is the cop. dead, and then uh, sensei like kills fucking Fo Leong. Right. And then now it's just Mao, and Mao escapes. He's like, I can't fucking beat this guy. He's a killing machine. Right. 
He next. This guy must be special forces. He's using a uh, military style of fighting. Right, he's got sandy hair. 360 pounds. Sandy black, jet black, sandy hair. Shaney Burnett. Oh, man. And so Mao takes off, and now everybody left is able to take a breather as they survey the scene. And they're able to see that in. I don't remember what car they ended up taking out on or what car they take they find Sergey's Tia. car. But they look they're looking yeah, this this irritated they, yeah, me. It's such because a they go scene. to the Asian car. First of all, he, he gets his do rag, picks up the gun, you know, so there's no fingerprints or anything. Yes, that I'm glad you pointed that out because the do rag never shows up after this scene. Right. And then he opens this is what irritated me. He opens the trunk. Somehow the cop didn't notice there's also a woman tied up in the trunk. Yes. He went in, he's put his head in the trunk looking through this duffel bag. It's frustrating. I did not notice a fucking human being in the trunk. I, I don't know if you freeze framed on this moment because this is not one of the moments they decided to do one of their super sweet freeze frame effects so we could look in the trunk for a while. I didn't notice the woman in there either. Well, it wasn't. It was. It was fucking stupid. Uh, yeah, I know. Why couldn't she be in the back seat? Right. Anything. Anything else? Because I didn't see her back there. They did. Uh, it's so. Uh, so Shane grabs the girl and the money, and he's like, "Tells Sergey, we need to get the fuck out of here." Mao starts shooting at them. Yeah. So I guess he got back in the car that they took the money and the woman out of, because he disappeared for a while. Then he popped back up. They're in Sergey's car and taking off now. Right. Okay. So they get... I know. Cat's all over this right now. He, he loves Seagal. Couldn't remember <laughs> my cat is. Okay. So we're going down the road, Mary. Going down the road. Shane, he has to assess the situation. He's, you know, what's going on? The girl's obviously drugged. She's coming too. And he's got to ask her questions like, who are you, baby? Where do you come from? She's like, uh... uh uh, I was just going for a meeting with a man about an immigration issue. I got overdulled. Yeah. Uh, it was I just think a f- they killed my friends. Just my friends. Friend. And then we see a flashback, vague flashback of some cops coming out. They were like in a, a warehouse type situation on the docks, of course. Clearly cops. Badges. Shooting some people. Yeah. We're assuming are her friends. Right. So okay. Shane's like, hey, baby. You, I, I want no, I don't want to be a part of this baby drop me off I just need a couple minutes so I can get uh by the way little... when he's saying baby right now he's actually talking to Sergey you probably uh, think he's talking to Tia no he's talking to Sergey he's like I just need a head start to get in the wind baby before the before you call the cops and the guy's like I'm not calling the cops. This is a stolen car my father would disown me if I talk to the cops is he a gangster baby uh He's definitely not on the above side of the law. Sergey comes to again, and he's like, Sergey's like, hey, look, we saved you. You're, you don't have to worry. We're nice people. And then Shane's like, well, technically, I saved her. Who is we, boy? I thought, no, I thought he, what he said was like, we're in a lot of trouble. Who is we, boy? Why, boy? Oh, I got gotcha, you. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So he was like, I don't want any part of this. It wasn't, it wasn't that he took credit for helping yeah. save her. It was the yeah. we're in trouble. Okay. Right, right. Who you mean we, white boy? 
And then for a second, it's do-rags back on, and then it disappears. <laughs> and Tia's like, I don't want to go. Nobody wants to go, but everyone's up to something shady here. Yeah. Except for the sensei, who's always innocent. Willing to pay whatever Shade wants to just keep the police and on she, she says everything. She unbuttons a couple buttons. Right. And, and he's like, put that away. I have a wife. And I he's think. like... Can you get me a plane ticket the fuck out of America? This is also Seagal used to be like a old uh, WWF wrestler. He never used to swear that much. And in this movie, motherfucker, every other word. He went full Moxley. And I guess apparently he's one of those people that heard that, you know, he was like, hey, if uh, Obama wins presidency again, the presidency, I'm going to leave in America. That's, That's right. basically what he's trying to say. That's right. 2009, it tracks. So he goes to Sergey. He has to spoon feed this dumb kid. He's just like, look, just drop me off. And then I suggest you hightail it to the fucking moon. But, but, sir. Just do what I tell you, boy. Okay. The next AM, the cops arrive. Sergeant Richie. This is our sub hench. And one of our favorite tropes of Seagal movies. Richie. Has anybody seen Richie? Seagal loves names. <laughs> names Nico constantly in his movies uh Richie apparently is another name Screwface every other every other movie has a B character named good Screwface. I like it when they name the characters names so I don't have to fucking look up IMDB I hate that because then you're trying to match faces for these dumb movies that nobody puts That's pictures why of. I love Deadly Forest it was kind of like hey Joe like as soon as they meet a character you say say their name what's going on Fred very and clearly I'm like okay I know Sergey's name is. was mentioned one time and I missed it yeah you're straight notes. not at all and wife Shane's wife all right there half the characters don't the main villain is called Colonel yeah he doesn't have a name yes and he's referred to 45 times <laughs> so at least they did that much for me. So Richie, he's surveying the crime scene that, that Shane left. Uh, Foliong and the cop. Right. And he goes up to the cop, puts the murder weapon into the cop's hand, pulls the trigger towards where Foliong, his body is, and is like, tells, like, all right, make it look like the chink, did it. <laughs> and then, because I'm glad he said that, though, because now we know he's a, he's a crooked cop we cannot yeah. trust. Yeah, they use slurs in this movie. And so he takes off. All it, right, and we're going back over to Shane and Tia, and they are being dropped off at a motel by Sergey, of course. Right. And Sergey hands over a little matchbook, and he says, Hey, I, you know, you remember what I told you? Remember what we were talking about the other day, three hours ago? Uh, about how I'm not exactly on the above side of the law. Hands him a little matchbook. We see that it says Little Russia, Little Russia on it. It right. says, if you get into any trouble, ask for Vlad. Yeah, he says, go to Little Russia. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Because for a second, I didn't know it was just the name of this club. I thought, are they trying? Because this movie takes place in the town of Bellingham, Washington, which yeah. is not a big town. It's just, it's like a... Like a like a upper middle class middle Probably. class kind of based town. on what we got to see because you actually get to see the street in front of or on, across the street from the Little Russia, and we've seen it all before in the upper. There's a Qdoba, there's a dog washing place, 
there's a babies for us or whatever the fuck those baby stores are called. Yeah, it's very white. I mean, like 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 Washington. Period. It's very white bread. It's like the mean streets of Bellingham, Washington. Right. Okay. I mean, I think I've probably I've never been there. I think I've driven through it though. Yeah. There's nothing mean about this. Yeah. You're street. not getting a hand tattoo in this town. So I'm like, okay, good, because I was like, are they gonna fucking tell me the little town of Bellingham, Washington, has an area called Little Russian? No. Thankfully, it's just this this like it's, it's like a club for Russians, basically. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So he just asked me, and he's like, and this this irritated me too because we're supposed to think Sergey's thing is car thieves. That's what that's like his specialty. Just supposed to believe. Yeah. So he's, he's a just joy, like he's, he's a joy rider. Like, he's like wipe the car down. He's like I can do that because I've done this before, and then he takes off, and he's like this, dump the car somewhere. He dumps the car literally on the main street of Bellingham. He did not hide it very well. <laughs> he well, he's a privileged kid. This, well, this is the thing. This is his fucking hometown. Okay, right. you don't eat where you shit, and you don't leave stolen cars where you shit. So I don't know why he left it on Main Street with bullet holes riddled through it. Riddled, and we learn none of the prints were wiped off because no. that's how they go to they get their next lead. Right. So. Literally, when Chang gets out of the car, so, so Sir Straight must have been the real. Like he, he was, was the guy that, you know, because he's the he's the head guy's son. He's the who's the fucking son in John Week? Oh, dude, he's, he's yes. that guy. Yes, I know exactly. And, what then, and Sir about. Straight was like the guy. Who's like, oh, I got to do everything. Let, I'm glad you brought that up. Think of how interesting John Week would have been if Seagal was John Week. That would have been an interesting John, movie. Never show him weak is what it would be. Yeah, exactly. John Strong. So, yeah, he's like, yeah, I can do that. So Shane, they go to the motel. He's like, no, babe, we ain't going here. We're going over there. They go across the fucking street. Yeah. And he's like, they're going to be found. If he gets caught, he's going to rat us out. And then they're going to find us, baby. So they go across the street. Shane's motivator is that kid's not smart enough. So he already knew he was going to dump it like a fucking idiot. He's going to dump it like an idiot. They're going to track it right back to this hotel because they're going to get to him. And he's, he's going to he's tell right. him. He's proven right. He's 100% correct, which is so funny. I didn't realize until the second watch through because, no, you're not doing this, like, introspective thinking while you're watching this dumb fucking movie that keeps pausing remember. and skipping. He's special ops. He's special ops. So she's like, you don't trust anybody, do you? Ain't about trust, baby. It's about survival. And again, 90% of the lines, you've mentioned this before. I just want to make sure everybody's aware of this. You've got the back to Seagal. Is it Seagal? It's probably a stand-in. And so you have Seagal just in an, you know, an ADR room saying, it ain't about trust, baby. It's about survival. And so he's got a thousand times to do the line. It's like every time. This is the, this is the read you chose to use. So they, go, they get into the hotel room with the duffel bag full of money. And she's like, I want to call my father. He... I forget he's a diplomat. Or I don't know what the fuck. I couldn't was. keep track. Something to do with military because she's familiar. She could tell that those guys were military. Okay. Because she's familiar with. Well, they military. shot military style. Exactly. So he's like, he's like, she's well, she's being she's being quiet. She's not telling him the, the fucking deets. Right. And so this is where he loses it, and the black scent goes away, and we get that familiar nerdy fucking Seagal voice. So this is an intense scene, everybody, because we obviously know these are two good guys. You think they're standing up or sitting down together? We're not sure she's a good guy yet. Yeah, that's true. Everyone's kind of shady right now. Right. And he's kind of shady. You would think that you would have a shot of Seagal talking down to her. No, he's sitting on the bed with his head rested on the back. You know, he's just, he's yeah, chilling. He's, he's like 
breathing really hard. Hey, guys, acting's difficult. I don't know if you knew that. And she, he's like, shut the fuck up. Tell me straight, man. Who is coming for us? And she's like, all right, all right. I'll fucking tell you the truth. So this is what we learn. Okay. Her uncle, who was the character we saw get taken or not taken from a ship onto to a safe house. Murray, could we make this easier for our audience? Does uncle have a name? Yes, uncle. <laughs> She wanted to smuggle him into this country. She had to go through some back channels because her, her it, it was because of diplomatic shit. Her father was trying to get him there the right way, right way. But she's like, she's like, I went against his wishes. I thought I could trust these guys. I brought some friends because you don't know you're meeting some people you never met before. You want to have your friends with you, but even though they wanted me to come alone. And then, she, and of course, at the docks, which we know. Yep. Bad shit happens at the docks. We're doing the Scooby-Doo flashback here. We're seeing the black and white. Not the black and blue, but the black and white. And we're going in. She's being ushered over to Chen. We meet Chen, who's a drug smuggler. You know he's a drug smuggler because he's got stylized hair, a suit, and a cigar. And he's, she's brought to by Mao, who we just saw earlier. Correct. You know Ma- Mao does stand out a little bit because he does gel out his hair. And... We learned it was a trap. They just wanted to take her. So the, the friends are killed by Richie. Richie! So it's all coming together now. It's a piece of, we, It's the same flashback we saw before, but now we have names attached to it. And he's like, okay, okay, they want you for sex slavery, but why does Chen want your uncle? Well, we learned he was an accountant for the Chinese army, they say. Just very random. The Chinese are very vague. Yes. She's like... You've heard about the you know the the Golden Triangle from Burma, the poppy fields. Oh, I know the Golden Triangle all too well, all too well, all too well. That's that blues reverberation, you know. You got the wah wah pedals and everything. You always say a line twice. And she's just like, and this, this whole operation is being run by a guy called the Colonel. And then we see the Colonel, who's just another random Asian guy. Like I'm like, is that Mao? I thought it was like Mao and the Colonel look similar. Right. Chen was a little different. And now we're like, we got to digest some of this information, uh, but we also need to move the plot along. So we just get a quick cut of Richie. He drove the car right through a McDonald's and left it there. That was his plan. Right. He he poured like that grimace shake, like on the door, on the handles, thinking that would get rid of the fucking (laughs) fingerprints. What's even worse is he pulled up to the window, you get your food, and he climbed out the passenger side, leaving his car without the keys right there. No one else could get their McDonald's. And the Grimace Shake, why (laughs) the Grimace Shake? Because that's known to get rid of fingerprints. That's what he thought. It just eats. Someone it away. once told him that it was it was it was actually the Mick Grimace shake. Because that mental just burns shit away. It took so many too. We had to order like five of them. Right. <laughs> so he did a bad job. Basically, what we're saying. <laughs> they immediately. But I love they they run the prints like in a second. They immediately know this is Sergey. They also left Sergey's ID in yeah, there. He, he did leave his ID. Yeah. <laughs> And the matchbook to Little Russia. They, he did. Little Russia matchbooks are everywhere. There's a lot of like, they, they know their audience for this one because there's a yeah. lot of spoon. Like, you're an idiot. I'm going to spoon feed you shit. Right. In this. And it to- still makes no sense. That's what <laughs> irritates me about Every this. Every single movie is spoon fed to you and still is stupid as shit. It's 
fascinating. So Richie calls up Chen and the, and the colonel who are hanging out at Chen's lair, which is at a lumber yard. And they are bickering over this money because what? Okay, here's what I think is the plot. Chen is in charge of the drugs. Sm- smuggling is what I thought. Well, yes, yeah, you're right. Chen, yeah. I, I, I meant Colonel. Colonel is running the operation in the Golden Triangle. Yes, correct. So, I this is what I don't understand. So Chen smuggles the drugs. I'm assuming, maybe I'm not, maybe he's just a middleman, but he's selling the drugs, which would mean the money should have been for Colonel. But, yeah. But I guess was I guess Chen is getting paid for the smuggling. That's what I'm going to... I'm going to say Chen is just a middleman. He has nothing to do with the drugs. Literally, there. there's a line in this movie where uh, Colonel tells him, you're just my... Fuck, uh, sorry, spoilers here. You're just my fucking decoy. You're my middleman. I just okay. used you to get uncle so I could get the money and the girl. Okay, so... Because remember, the uncle is an accountant for the army? No, wait, wait. I don't... All right. Now, they were all together when the girl was put put in the car. Correct. Where did the money come in? Because the money was coming to Chen, right? The money was being paid uh, by the... By the uh, colonel. Chen paid the money to the dadu. No, Ch- Chen, the money is for Chen. Yes. That's what he's pissed off about. From the, the colonel was paying the money to Chen. Didn't the dadu want Chen... Or not Chen. But what I don't what I don't understand is <laughs> sorry, the car that, that Tia was in the trunk of with the money. Yeah. So Tia came from the docks. Right. Where they were all together. Why is the money in the car? Why wasn't the money given to Chen at the docks? Right. Because the Dadu picked her picked her up. And the Dadu was supposed to deliver her to Chen. By, by, by Dadu, we mean the colonel's, colonel's forces, yes. Because yeah. they're like military guys. Because like, uh, Chen has the thugs, and the, and the colonel has the, the military guys. We're, I think we're supposed to assume, because Chen's forces always seem to use English, the Dadu use foreign language always. Because they're from China, right. Yeah. And so I how I understood it, it was the Dadu was being paid to pick up the money and the girl. And then when the whole interaction with Sergey happened, this scene right here is Chen's like, oh, you were trying to rob me and the girl? Because Chen and the colonel don't... Like, you get a little bit of tension and then it keeps building throughout the movie. So I think the idea was he paid the Dadu to pick up the girl. They're supposed to deliver the girl and then get the money. But they had the Why money. Why do they need the girl again? To get the uncle. They have the uncle. They don't have the uncle. That's Wait, the no, weird. Chen's no. job is to bring the uncle, smuggle the uncle over. Right. They have him on wait, the wait. boat yeah. coming oh, okay. over. Yeah. Okay. I, I, know. I figured it out. I figured it out. Girl. Okay. I figured okay. it out. Let's give everybody a second to pause and just <laughs> digest because we've, we've said a lot of things. All right, Murray. Here it is. Chen originally, not, not even knowing about the colonel, all right? He got money from Uncle to smuggle him in. Colonel found out about it and contacted Chen and said, I want that guy. Yes. And then so he was double crossing the uncle. Right. Chen was. Yeah. So that okay, that's why. Because I think Chen knew we could sell it for more money. Because like we talked about the account. No, if but the thing is, if Chen has the uncle, why do they need Tia? To, like they kept saying 
and I'm not I'm not trying to tell you this is why they needed him. The plot of the movie kept, kept keeps telling us they need Tia to lure Uncle. They have him on their boat. They have they, Uncle. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. This is the confusing part, too, because we saw this scene where they Maybe, ushered no, I, Uncle into a car. This is just me trying to make sense of this movie. Maybe it's because Uncle won't talk. Because what they need is Uncle's books, the book, the the counting books for th- that will like destroy their whole empire. Because he has, because he bugged out of the country with all their info, which I'm uh, maybe he's going to sell it to the American government. I don't know what. Maybe. You figure they could just torture Uncle, but maybe they were going to torture Tia to get the information out of Uncle. I think when you boil it all down, I think that was the ultimate goal: was they were going to torture this pure woman for her, you know, just to get him to talk. So at this point, I think uh, a, a waxman was like, "This is making no sense." I'm just going to Mao barge in. So Mao barges in on this, and, and this. thank thankfully because I, we're not following this pot that well, obviously. And Chen is like, "Where the fuck is my money?" And he's like, "This large, dangerous man looks at the camera. I don't know. I think he was Indian, Native American Indian, or in. I, I know thought, it's got to be Native American. It's got to be because we know that he has a, like a spiritual bond with the Native American people, as we learned from On Deadly Ground. On Deadly Ground. Thank you. I'm yeah. so glad you had that on the tip of your brain. He had a dancing scene in that movie when he went into the like dream sequence. Wasn't yeah. there a woman dancing yeah, on him? Super and he was sexy, like spirit woman. And he uh, was fully clothed. Yeah, he had the buckskins on. Yeah, yeah. Seagal loves that. Thank, thank him. I don't want to see Seagal naked or well, shirtless. No, a hundred percent. But that's that is uh, Tarantino. That's his feet. Kink. That's his kink. Clothed yeah. man, naked woman. Yeah, Tarantino in his feet, Seagal and being fully clothed while naked women dance around. So him. Mao was like this giant Indian got the money and the girl, and then Chen he's like, oh, "What about the cops?" Chen's like, "Don't worry about the cops. I own Bellingham. All right. Yeah, the cops are in my pocket." And then Mao was ordered to tell Richie about everything that happened, Richie. fill him in. And he's like, because he's like, the Russians have to be hiding this guy. Because Richie had told them about Sergei. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we, we were going to be able to figure that out. We found Sergei's car at the McDonald's with the, <laughs> Mc, uh, the mint. The, what's it called? The Mc, <laughs> Mc, uh, You got it. And now I can't. Uh, it's not called Grimace. The, is it the McGrimace? No, the Grimace is new. That was yeah, the new but one. The, but the one that's been around forever. McMint? Mc, yeah, something like that. Shamrock. Shamrock Shake. Shamrock Shake. <laughs> that's what it is. It, this movie does play days in March. So, <laughs> I know because my birthday is in March. It's also very cold in Seattle, yeah. like March would be. Right. So <laughs> we go into the bar, Little, Little Russia. Russia. Oh, my God. And Sergey is with his dad, Vlad. And we know that Vlad is a high-up gangster. Why? Hand tattoo. Hand tattoo. And we get tons of scenes. They freeze frame a lot on hands with tattoos on That's them. That's right. To, to fill in the, no pun intended, to, for shorthand to show you that these guys are criminals. And Because remember, this is 2009. Not, not everybody's got a hand tattoo and a face tattoo. I got nine. Right. On what's, two what's, hands. That, what's it got written across your knuckles? What does that say? Oh, it says, look, man. Look, man. With extra exclamation points. Yeah. So... Well, I guess it'd just be one. So Sergey's explaining to Vlad what happened, and then Richie walks in and he's asking about that fucking blue suburban with all the bullet holes and all the shamrock shake juice on it. 
and Vlad just spits on Richie. He didn't give a fuck that he's a cop. Go back to your side of town. This spat was great because cops come in. Well, he went. And it's fucked a loogie right on his face. It was what I wish I could do right now to have a clear fucking nasal passage. Uh, this whole episode. It was allergy I, season. Oh. And March is big allergy season in Bellingham. So. It really is. was just that. He said allergies. Hucks a loogie on Richie's face. It's it, hanging from his nose. So I think the backup cop, who actually got a fucking name, Clark. <laughs> I don't know how I picked that up. I think I looked at IMDb to the reference name so many times. I think the his backup cop's name was Clark. And so you got Clark and Richie coming in. And Clark is like, blue lives fucking matter. I can just take whatever I want. I got the blue behind me. It doesn't matter. So they walk into the bar. Where's your boss? Let me talk to him. Big deal. I'll spit in this. Give me a fucking shot of that. And th- and to have this conversation to happen, Vlad doesn't give a fuck that he's a cop. Pulls a knife on his ass. Th- he's talking to Richie, by the talking way. Talking to Richie after he hocked the loogie in his face. Right, still dangling from his nose. We f- in in Mother Russia, we fuck cops in the mouth when we run out the farm animals. You think prison scare me? Your kind of weak liberal prison is paradise to us. Think twice about fucking with me, Richie. So Richie just can't even get his jaw back intact here. Runs out. Clark follows behind. Hey, boss, that guy called us a pussy. Let's go in there. Let's go manifest destiny. Let's shoot him in the eyeballs. No, we're going to play it safe, but we're going to get our revenge when we make a little house visit later tonight. But blue lives matter. No. Did you notice he went? Richie went from patrolman to detective back and forth? Like yes. he'd be in a patrolman's like uniform yes. and then like in a like a Columbo fucking outfit. Dude, I'm so glad you said that because it was infuriating. <laughs> the flashback to when Tia arrives and captured what happened two days ago. Richie is in just a just a patrol cop's outfit. And I was like, okay, are they trying to tell us that he just goes undercover as a normal patrol and then he's like actually a detective? What the fuck is this? I don't know. It's All I know so is annoying. we cut back to Shane in the hotel. He's going through that that um, money bag, pulls it out. He tells her, "This is money." It's yeah, it's obviously money. Right. And then there's the we alluded to this in the beginning yeah. of the episode. There's the bands that hold the money together with the Chinese writing. This is definitely Chinese drug money. And he's like, "Did I ever mention?" I was in the military. <laughs> now, I don't think we usually get this from Sensei. I think usually everybody else says yeah, it for him. They do. But Sensei is like, I've had four characters say this already. I'm not sure the audience gets it yet. Let me tell you again. Murray, right. please. Special Forces, five years ago, I didn't even exist. Five years from now, I won't exist. I served my country in the Special Forces for 14 years. And what did they do to me? They sent me up the river for six. And as he's going through the bag, he's like, oh, shit. Pulls out a little fucking tracker. This this is a transponder. They found, they found us, baby. And as they're saying that, we look out the window, and we see all these Asian guys with machine guns. So, Dead bodies, like, piled up outside. They did it ninja style. That's right. Forces Tia's head down, and then he takes into a tactful position. Guy busts through the door. Immediately gets shot by Sensei. Yeah, he just takes him out. He's easily... Like fucking ninja style. He's going around corners, snapping necks, breaking arms, slapping. Yeah. 
He, he he shoots the one guy dead immediately that busts into the door. So his backup comes in, and this is the guy that he tortures just by breaking every limb in his body, taking the slide off the top part of the gun and puncturing him with it. It's like, you're going to be so ugly, your mother wouldn't recognize you, fucker. This is the guy that was all about his Buddhist pacifism. Brutal. Every Seagal movie is the most brutal. That's probably why the fucking Eastern Europeans love Seagal, because they're used to that brutal way of yeah. life. I think that was the Glimmer Man, the one where there was all the like the fun audio of the one guy who's based in Chicago. That's half his movies. I can't remember. No, Glimmer Man was L.A. Cause I remember it was LA. raining constantly, which what it was, never does. At yeah. All. What was the one with? Maybe it was the one with Richie and the church and all the yes. thing. No, the one. Well, the one with Richie, I think, took place in Chicago. Mark for Death. Mark for Death, because I think it was Mark for Death where we get this. No, it was Glimmer Man where he was the Buddhist. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting all confused. He had the beret in Mark for Death. Yes, that's right. And he was always wearing sleeveless, wasn't yeah. he? He he's, always had the chicken wings out. Yeah. He's such an awkwardly shaped man. So, yeah, he just takes everybody out and they go to little uh, little Russia. Bartender, he's like, I'm looking for a guy named, little, a young boy named Sergey. And he's like, don't know speak English yet. And then he's like, oh. Okay, I see how it goes. And he goes to leave. And this is where we get to look out the door. Me and Murray were joking about this before. This is upper middle class, you know, suburbanites. That's all it is. Not walkable. It's just a downtown road. There's some street side parking to make you feel like it's a downtown city, though. But dog dog washing, Qdoba, Starbucks. I think we had a... uh, a cell phone store in there. We gotta have a cell phone store, right? T-Mobile, maybe. Yeah, Apple. Apple. Gotta have. It's, this is an Apple. Well, city. that's a happening town if you got an Apple store. Well, right? yeah, of course. They okay. really think they're happening. What do they call them? iBar, I think they call. Them. I don't know. MacBar. I don't maybe? have. I don't have an iPhone, so I don't know. So he spots Chen and the boys driving by. So he goes back. He hides in the doorway. Yeah, he just, he just stands pat in the doorway for a second here. And the bartender, I thought I told you to leave. What do you want? What's in the bag? It's like, oh, you want to see what's in this bag, baby? I'll show you what's in this bag. And then we just cut to the inside of the bar. We hear this. And then the bartender goes flying through the doorway. Beat the fucking hell. And then we cut over to Richie. He's calling an update. He's on the scene at the motel killing now. And he's like, how do they have his name? He just says that. Like, we got this guy's name. Special Forces. They caught. Okay, Murray, I'm okay. going to tell you. We got him on camera. His name's Shane Douglas. <laughs> Wait, Shane. <laughs> Shane Daniels. Daniels. They somehow knew his face. Face recognition. Did we have that in 2000? I don't know if we had the technology because we're only starting to get kind of that technology today. All I know is he's special forces and he's a killing machine. He's like, because it, it's like, there's like literally, just, it's just mush. There's not even human beings. It's just blood. This guy's obviously professional. It's the most sloppiest fucking thing you've ever seen. Look, we haven't seen this brutal of a murder scene since Stingray and Undefeatable. Eyes are ripped out. Fucking bones are missing. Just single <laughs> bones are missing. It's so bizarre. People, it's just hamburger on the fucking hamburger ground. because he's constantly <laughs> pummeling them with half pistols. So Richie is talking with Chen. He's letting he's giving the deeds. He's like, look, I already talked with the Russians, so he didn't go to the Russians. And then Chen is like, it's time to take the gloves off. Fuck these guys. 
Chen then pulls a gun on the colonel because he's not trusting the colonel. I think the colonel has something to do with this. And he's he's like, wouldn't happen to know about two two dadu. Dadu? This is what I've been talking about. Yeah, I know, but what is what did what who are the two tadu? That was fake Leong and Mao. No, it, what it was was Colonel's, I think Colonel's men were at the hotel. Oh, you know and what? Chen You're right. Chen doesn't know about You're right, because Mao is Chen's guy. Right. So I got that part wrong. But okay. no, you're right. They definitely sent uh, the Dadu went to so the So the motel. hamburger is too dead Dadu. That, dadu Dadu. God damn it. We're getting a Star Wars and he, now. And he's like, it sounds more like Mark for Mark for me. Dadu Dadu. Wasn't that his word? Who? Mark for Mark. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. So he's he's like doesn't trust the colonel now because like you trying to steal your money back. I I try to get this point across to you guys earlier. Like we got a little bit of tension between these two because they are two individual businessmen just trying to make it in America. Right. And so do you think they would be well? Friends? The colonel's trying to make it in China. He's working at the Golden Triangle. Oh, you're right. You're right. He just needs that uncle. He needs his connection in America. He, he sees that the uncle. future is Chinese. Yeah. He's, so yeah. he's just like, yeah. Right. Good call. So Colonel's like, to quell the situation, he's like, look, I'll get my men to get that money. You'll get your fucking money back. So now we cut to some Asians are killing some people on a boat. These are the dead dude, too. Because they're like military. They're in fatigue. They even got the fucking grease paint on their face. Like the yeah. blood. It's the middle of the day. And they have fucking camouflage paint on their face. Right. One guy looks like one of the road warriors. I did. I liked it. One Good guy use. looks like Kratos. Yeah. I thought it was Aiden Hutchinson. Kratos. Kratos, sorry. Yeah. It's okay, Murray. But we know. It's not a true gamer. There's something off about these guys. Why? Because we zoom in on those hand tattoos. And you notice the Russians and the Chinese all had the same tattoos. It was something like tribal design. Yeah, it was always tribal. I thought this was hilarious. I mean, because- it was it was hot in the 90s. I don't know about 2000. People were kind of over the tribal. <laughs> right. It was great because I ended up in Pontiac to get my birth certificate. And while I was there, there was one man waiting. Like nobody else in this building. One man waiting. And I looked out and he's got a scorpion hand tattoo and he's like 70 years old well he probably did some prison time that's what i thought it's pontiac after all he's probably first of all he's probably my age he just looks 70 (laughs) years old he led a hard life it looked rough so now we're at vlad's uh russian lair richie meets up with mal they're outside and he's like giving orders like you roll on back and follow the orders. Right. So we're supposed to assume because remember in the previous scene at Little Russia, he said, I'm going to pay him a house visit. Right. So we're left to assume they're paying uh, uh, Vlad a house visit. They assume Vlad is hiding Shane. Right. So meanwhile, back at Chen's lumberyard, he's, he's, he's like, first of all, the plan isn't going at all the way they want it. Horribly. But he, wants, but he wants the party. Girl's missing. Money's missing. They don't think they're going to get Uncle, who I thought they already had based on the scene where we see him ushered into a car. So confusing. But And the freeze frames didn't help people. No. It made it more fucking irritating. Oh, my God. I dare anyone to watch this movie and take notes. Please, try. They'll be as confusing as our notes are. Right. Even try watching this movie for just the 90 minutes it takes. Good so luck. Chan, I guess he's one of those guys, he thinks better after he's blown a load. So he's have, he's partying with these whores. These, they're all dancing. I guess he also is a whore smuggler, sex slaver. Maybe. He's all these like Asian girls. Yeah. And fucking Colonel's disgusting. He's just reading the newspaper. He's like, hey, how about that there? And he's just 
ugh, and this goes back to he's like doing the Sudoku and shit. He's like, I, oh. I've had this moment where one of the guys I used to work with back when I did home theater on the road, I had the one guy who is three years younger when I met him. Uh, so he was like 33 years old, married, had two kids. And he every time we went over to Grand Rapids, he's like, let's go to a strip club. And then he would always try to take a girl home with him, too. I don't know. Did it ever work? Yeah, we were there for work. Did it we ever work? No, did it ever work for him? Oh, yeah. He he got girls to go to second locations all the time. Oh. It was never to our hotel. We always had to share a hotel room. They never gave us two hotel rooms, which you're supposed to. I think that's supposed to be some kind of thing. But anyways... So we ended up going to a second location with some of the girls. I was sitting in the middle because we just yard? had a fucking work van. It was not a lumber yard. Okay. And my God, that guy it was fucking worse. But he would take me to strip clubs and he'd always just be like, look at this, Griff. Look at this girl. She could pick up a cherry with her butt cheeks. And I hope you tipped her. I didn't realize that was an achievement. What a young, naive. I was young or... and naive. I might have been 19 at the time, Murray. So, or I guess I would have been 21. Anyway, a very similar situation. Colonel's feeling like Griff. He's just like, I'm here for business. I'll make business with pleasure. All right. So Richie and them, they're at, they're getting ready to hit uh, Vlad's lair. And he calls into Chen to let him know what's going on. Yep. Chen's still partying, but he's like, hurry back to clean up another mess, meaning I'm going to turn on Colonel. He's like, wink, wink. So he's going to use Richie to get rid of the colonel. Right. And the colonel, he's uh, he hears all this shit, but he's pretending nice, deep in his Sudoku. Right, of course. And he's drinking green tea, straight. So Shane led into Vlad's house, immediately greeted with walking, you know, oh, my God, this is the guy you've been telling me about, Sergey. They, they basically had a row of people on either side of him bowing. Right. Welcome to my house. It is a humble abode. It's like this giant fucking McMansion. He's like, I hope it's up to your, you know, specific. He's just like, it'll do. It's okay. It's yeah. it's just f- perfectly fine. I haven't seen anything that's quite up to my standard, but, you know, it's good. Cut back to Chen's lumberyard. You know, it's like we were just talking about the guys who get upset because a woman, a strange, total stranger woman's not smiling in their area, their vicinity. He's upset that fucking uh, Colonel's not into the strip show. So he's like, oh, I know what that, what's going on. You dead do prefer to fuck each other. Isn't heard, that it? I heard a rumor that you dad do like to fuck each other. Look at this one. He grabs a girl. She's got the ass of a nine-year-old boy. I, uh, I got it. You know what? She did. She had no, Asian women just don't have curves. I'm sorry. She did have an eight, a nine-year-old boy ass. Flat. You can fuck her from behind. He's just, he's just taunting this guy. He knows this fucking Colonel guy ain't to be fucked with. What's going on with Chen? Chen is doing a great job here because he's creeping me the fuck out. There was a little bit of a Wingshauser stutter happening here. Okay, would you like to fuck her? He was kind of trying to feel out the villainy. And this is the one time I was like, Chen's really trying to make this scene something weird and wonderful. Speaking of the dead, dude, they arrived. The guys that were in that boat earlier that killed a guy and his dog. That's how fucked up these people were. They killed a dog. They arrived at the lumberyard in that stolen boat. 
They're all got the fucking grease paint on. They're looking That's like right. Call of Duty. They're waiting in position, and Colonel, who's upstairs with fucking Chen, just like licking his earlobe, telling him, "You can fuck this nine-year-old woman's boy butt." Wait, this woman's nine-year-old boy butt. <laughs> you said this nine-year-old woman's boy butt. <laughs> this I'm, woman is is of age. She is of we age. Know. We see her ID. She is the butt of a prepubescent child. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. God. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you, Murray. So Colonel's like, I gotta take a leak. Walks out and sees all his men in position, checks his watch, and then gives the nod. And that's when all hell breaks loose. We see a guy again with that big old grease all over his face, step up. And look at he stabbed the guy. I it didn't look like just a normal normal knife. He stabbed him and it's well, you, yeah, brutal. Well, we know it's a knife because the guy made no sound. Of course, we know this. So they go into Chen's office. We just see from the outside, and we just hear machine gun fire going off, muzzle flashes, women screaming. So drug wars are happening, but on the other side of uh, Bloomingham, what is the city called? Bellingham. Bellingham. We got to go back to Vlad's estate. Vlad fucking verbally filleting Shane, telling him, he's like, I see in your eyes you put... Others ahead of yourself. It is just in your nature. You cannot help it. That is something to be admired. So, okay. I'm not liking where this movie's going. This is no. what I'm totally like. This is totally funded by the Russian mob. Because the Russian mob, they gleefully say they're criminals. Yep. They fuck farm animals in the mouth when they're not right? fucking cops in the mouth. That's right. Yet somehow, some way, they're honorable. Right. They're good guys. They're the good guys in this movie. Shane, or not Shane, but Sergey was out there stealing cars, doing whatever the fuck he wanted, partying. Victimless crime, though. They didn't hurt anybody. It's true. It is victimless. So, yeah, but no, that's forgivable because, yeah, victimless. So, yeah, so the way, so we obviously we have to make the Russians look good because they're finding the Russian mob is actually financing this movie. Probably. Probably. Definitely. (laughs) And he's just like, you know, we are like, we are, we are at the, the opposite sides of the same coin. We right. are both men of honor who what, care about family. I would just want I want to do anything you need. Please, it'd be my honor to help you in some way. Well, here's the thing. I got this little problem with this sweet little lady here, and I just I can't I can't let an unfinished project be unfinished. We need to fight this fight and find her uncle. And then Tara fills them in more on the all the details they need to know. Where and, Chen's at. And they're like, oh, of course we know Chen. He works in the fucking yeah. wood. I know that guy. The, the, the lumberyard on the, yeah. down by the river. He is trash. He is not honorable drug dealer like us. When we sell whores, we only blacken one eye. He blackens both. Oh, we, we do go. not have girls. Our girls have adult asses. Adult asses. But donkadonks, if you will. Yes. No nine-year-old asses need apply. Yeah, you can bounce quarters off these asses. You know, so basically, there's a hierarchy. There's even racism in the underworld. Of course, it's like there we're is. superior to the Chinese underworld. Right. And he's like, but first, a toast. Get me my best absolute vodka. The oh, yeah. finest Russian vodka absolute, of course. And we get the shot of the tears because you know in bars when you go there, the higher the bottle is, the more expensive it is. Of course. And there's is he getting liter- Grey Goose? 
Huh? Getting some gray goose. Gray goose is in the middle there. Oh wow! What they have to do? They have a drop ceiling. They drop. They lift the one drop ceiling panel and reveal there's a secret bottle in the ceiling. So it's even wow. higher than the higher bottles. Well, absolutely, this is the greatest vodka you could ever absolutely. buy. Absolutely. <laughs> that it actually add the why to it when it's the very so tippy top. Fill shot glass with it. From now on, you are my brother, person I met earlier today. Who did they meet? Vlad hasn't met him yet. What are you talking about? He's talking to Shane. Yeah, now now they just met. Yeah. Earlier today, do you mean? Yeah, okay. I, yeah, they've been talking for an hour. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Back to Chen. He's I love still it. alive. Well, they, they both do a Russian chant, too, and Sensei knows the full Russian chant as well as they take the shot. Yeah. We need to point that out because they're, they're basically blood brothers. Yeah. They're tattoo brothers. Back to Chen. He's still he's alive. All we see a bunch of dead horrors scattered all around, but he's tied up in a chair, quite alive, but beaten. And Colonel is just like, you fucking idiot. I was manipulating. You're not because he's like, hey, I guess you kept me alive because I'm still important. He's like, not really. I just kept you alive so we get to this uncle. And this is, and then he pulls the Shane and starts pistol whipping the shit out of Chen. Richie pulls up and we see up to uh, Vlad's house. Right. And we see a couple of Russian dudes silently get taken out. Mao's at the back end. They're ready to take. Mao takes out a couple. I there's a couple. There's a young couple in a hot tub. It's like a kind of, kind of like a uh, like glassed out kind of. It's like a greenhouse kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I thought this. I, everyone looks the same to me in this movie. So I thought it Everybody. was Sergey with a chick. Yes. No, it's just some random kids who get killed. Right. So, okay, so Mao and his guys are coming in through the backside. Because remember, dead do like it from the backside. That's right. And uh, the cops are going to make sure anybody in the front takes We got to make sure everybody knows they're using silencers. That's why nobody hears the gunshots. So Richie goes to the door because he's the cop. He can do that. He's doing, he's doing a no-knock warrant. A uh, woman answers. They're like, he's like, where the fuck is Vlad? Grabs her. And he's like, get fucking this Shane guy out here. I'm going to kill this woman. Vlad's got some cameras. He's watching all of this. Big gunfight breaks out. Guy so. gets shot. There's like a fucking balcony inside the fucking house. A guy gets shot, falls, and they shot him falling like 20 feet, splatters. Right. The woman who opened the door, who is serving as uh, Richie's body shield, she gets shot in this scene. Fucking Clark gets shot in the leg, I think. I believe he did, yeah. So now Shane's like, I was shocked he didn't have his do-rag because he's ready to kick ass. We're inside uh, Vlad's office still, and he reveals all of his weapons. Architecture of this house, very odd. Lots of long, long corridors. Yes, 100%. I I was getting Shining vibes, the corridors. So I was waiting for a kid on a fucking Hot Wheel to fucking pedal down. You know, you're right. This house is more of a hotel than it is a house. Yeah. So Shane's like... Let's giddy up. You know, he's ready to go. Where do you keep your weapons? Because I know you have stored weapons everywhere in here. And he snaps his fingers. Walls turn around Scooby-Doo style. Lined with weapons. He's loading up. Everyone's loading up. Shane's telling everybody how to properly. They've got a blueprint. So Shane's saying, I want two people here. I want three people here. I'll take this side. You take that side. You notice Vlad pulled out a stinger. I didn't know And then Shane that. had to tell him how to operate it. Because he's like, how do you see? He's got the fucking instructions. How does this work? He's like, Guys, Stinger this. missiles. Stinger missiles. Yes. As, as seen in McBain. Yeah. 
And he's like, as simple as this, flicks a switch. Oh, my God. Save some for me, comrade. Long, boring shootout happens in a long, boring tunnel. It gets, the movie goes real. If you think the movie's bad from what we've said now, this is where it really gets bad. Like, the the opening hour of this movie, it's great because we get to see Seagal and all of his awfulness. But now we're just watching people shoot at each other down We we want to point out that normally in these straight-to-video movies, Seagal's uniform is like some jeans, that leather jacket. No, he's full Bellingham suburban dad. Has a fucking... Uh, zip-up hoodie, cargo pants, probably wearing some New Balances with his Velcro <laughs> fucking straps. Lugs. I was waiting for, like, uh, University of Washington, like, baseball cap. He did not want to mess his hair up. Yeah, no. But that's what he's looking like as he's going to kick He realized ass. if you're in your late 40s and you still have hair, you got to show it off. So he never wore a hat. All right, so let's see what we kind of had here in the notes. Mao and his men win this round in the They're cellar. They're making their way They're up. They're like this. in a cellar yes. tunnel. Yeah. And Mao's men win the round, and they're making their way further inside the Russian estate. Until they get to Shane, the, the fucking final boss. He's like lurking in a doorway, pops out, shoots some of the fucking Mao's men. Right, and nobody really seems to register that a gun just went off and that one of their friends just died. Sergey's trying to get Tio away, bumps into a soldier. They tussle with the guy pulls out a Rambo knife. So they're fight of course, remember, this isn't the sensei. So actually Sergey struggles with this yes. fight. They're struggling back and forth, which gives Mao time to grab Tia. Right. So Sergey does finally get the best, and we get see like Shane like smiles, like, good one, baby. And then he runs after Mao, who's got Tia. Right. And he, uh, Mao's running away and just happens to run into Shane. Right. Which is weird because Shane was following him, yet somehow he teleports. In Remember, front of him. they established in the first scene of this movie, Sensei Seagal can teleport. If a woman is horny for him and needs him, he is there. Mao just gets a fucking manhandled. There's n- it's the boringest fight because that's why Seagal's fights are so boring. It's just. And no, like. One-sided, all one-sided. The squash matches. Yeah, every single one. We're used to see. I mean, he's a he's officially a road warrior. What fucking happened? Did he, did, is it because Shane has no personal like ivory uh, chopsticks? He pulls out a chopstick and stabs like pins like Mouse head like a table. You know, I wish they. I hope they were like a fine rare tree or something because they are clearly not like a metal or anything like that. They are a organic bamboo stick. John Moxley would fucking die to have one of these shoved into his brain, but no, Mao gets it. So yeah, we're waiting for like. It's Mao. He's like the main hedge. It's got to be a great fight. No, he just fucking slaps him and then stabs him with a chopstick. He's the young main hench. We've been doing so many movies where the main main hench is an old man and the fight's obviously bad. But yeah. So Sergey and uh, uh, grabs, not Sergey. Uh, yeah, Sergey grabs Tia. Sergey. They head out together. It was like a Mexican standoff where Richie and the cops, they're outside hiding behind their car. We got Vlad and his guys with the guns. We got Shane, Sergey, and Tia come out another door. Uh, it's just Sergey and Tia coming out first. 
and then everybody, everything just stops for a moment. This might be a good moment for his like freeze frames and everything, but he doesn't use that here for some reason. And so it's a moment of like we cut over to Vlad's face. Shane, not Shane, (laughs) Sergey, get down! And it's looking like Sergey's about to get shot. Maybe Tia's about to get shot by Richie. And then suddenly, Sensei teleports again. Shoots Richie. They fucking open fire on the cop cars. I think Vlad goes around finishes Richie off for daring to shoot his son, Sergey. Do you remember where we coined the term microwave timing? Yeah. Under siege. Under siege. Sensei Seagal once again showing off what microwave timing's all about. Him walking out that door in order to shoot Richie, who thought he had the opportunistic attack. Amazing. Vlad looks at Shane like, why couldn't you be my son? Why can't I be your son? Why couldn't I have your hairline? That Count Dracula hairline. Vlad has great, way better well, hair. Well, I mean, for, yeah, you, well, that makes sense. His name's Vlad. Vlad Dracula. Of so course. So he wants that Dracula fucking hair. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so the cops are taken out. Mouse guys are taken out. We uh, need. Our main core here Vlad, Tia, Sergey, Shane. They're all kind of getting together. Shane does a little, like, tussle Sergey's head. Like, you all right, baby? You got some balls on you for doing that. I saw. I mean, I wouldn't have struggled with that guy, but you know, you saw it now. You look right. doing pretty. Cool, you ain't baby. no boy on the streets of hard ass Lansing. You don't know how to take a J shot, but you know, you're okay. Vlad, please let me come with you, Shane. He's like fucking the movie Shane. Shane, come back, come back. Let me finish what you started. I. He's like, what? He's like, we gotta save Tia's uncle, baby. I told you I can't fin- I can't leave a book unfinished and Tia's chapter has not been written. Everybody, bring it in. And they all fucking join hands. Murder on three. One, two, three. Murder. Quick cut. Uncle has arrived. I thought the uncle already arrived. Maybe that was him getting on the boat before. I don't fucking know. But he's loaded into a silver Hummer. Keep that in mind. Well, that's happening. The Dadu warriors are placing uh, bombs all over the lumberyard of Chen. That's right. Colonel has Chen tied up, and he's like, you better pray this fucking uncle shows up. Right. Then he walks out, leaves a, a detonator for all to see, because I can tell you, they're spoon feeding us. Right, shit. right in front of Chen's face. Shows that fucking tattoo on his hand to let you know he's a bad guy. And that's when our crew, they are there at the docks now, or the... Doc slash lumberyard. Right. So uh, Chen's men had uncle. So they're driving. They're, they're, I'm assuming they're driving from the safe house or the boat, wherever the fuck they're coming from. Please help me out here. Colonel is setting up the trap. He's ready just to kill all of Chen's guys. So there's going to be three factions. It's, a, it's like an AW match. We got Chen's dadus. I mean, we got. Colonel's dadus. Thank you. We got Chen's hoods, and we got the good guys, the Russian mafia. Which one's the Dark Order? Uh, Chen's. Chen's guys, yeah. yeah, of course. So they make the Hummer stops. Uncle gets out, and then Hall Hell breaks loose. Yeah, Tia calls out. Oh no, Shane is the one who notices. Oh baby, this is an ambush. <laughs> Sorry. That was way too southern. That's not Lansing at all. But Shane does notice it, call it out, and then Tia goes, Uncle, get down! 
then a gunfight breaks out. So it's Chinese on Chinese violence. God, I guys, I wish we could tell you anything that happens in these scenes because it's a massacre. Nothing makes sense. No characters. People in smudge. Okay, at least they did a good job pointing out the dadu from the Chen's guys. Yeah, with the the smudges and just like I don't know gangster wear. So Colonel's even, he's up in the like office of the lumber yard. He breaks a window, starts shooting. He's joining in. Everybody's having fun. We got Chen, who's coming to from being concussed through pistol whips and all that. He's tied up, but he's, he's getting, he's breaking out. He pulls out his Rambo knife he keeps in his boot, gets loose, charges after Colonel. Colonel notices, shoots him in the fucking kneecap. It wasn't even Colonel. Colonel's this goon guy next to him notices it. It shoots him right in the kneecap, which looked brutal. And Colonel's like, you finally got some balls on you. Shoots shoots Chen in the head. Right. Too bad it's the worst timing because we already have Uncle. So now, uh, yeah, they have Uncle. Shane is just, it's it's just... We've seen this a million times. Like it, it's a abandoned factory, cat and mouse. Two sides popping up, shooting at each other. And so Shane's like, well, we need to break break into their defenses here. So you guys keep me covered. I'm going to I'm gonna flank them. Shane wheezing because he's had to walk a little bit. Yeah, Slap just... fighting. He just, it's just basically for the next five minutes, it's Seagal slap fighting and brutally murdering Chinese guys. Yeah, he he like shoot. They, he's in an exchange shootout with another guy, and then he suddenly teleported on him. They're in a slap fight. Of course, the guy gets nothing in on him. Has a knife, slaps it away, murders him, stabs him to death with his own knife. Even Tia and Shane are together. Tia gets hit. All right, I actually i I was like, fuck this fucking movie. I had to talk to our weapons master, Jack Bittler, last oh. night. Oh, yeah, okay. Because they're using, it looks like they're using AK-47s to get those banana clips on them. I was like, weapons master, what would happen to Jack a, refuses to talk to us unless we refer to him as weapons well, yeah, master. Well, yeah, I, I have t- so much respect for him. I don't have a problem doing Oh, yeah, that. no, I didn't mean that as a slight. I said weapons master. I told you, he's he's like our, like Conan's weapon master who like slapped him in the face. He's done that to yeah, us, teaching us how to use the katana. Multiple times. And we times. accept it because he knows what he's talking about. He gives us valuable information, and he teaches us every time. So I go, weapons master, Jack Bedeler. What? would happen if an 115, 20-pound woman got shot in the shoulder with an AK-47. He's like, it would blow her fucking arm off. Wow. Because she just gets the classic, just went Pull through. Right through. So it's okay. Am I going to die? Stay with me, baby. Stay with me. He, like, pulls out his do-rag or something. No, he says, Sergey. You're a bitch. Go find me some swaddling clothes. And Sergey comes back. Is this swaddling clothes? And he wraps her all up, cinches he her. He applies pressure, which is all yep. you need to do to all a gunshot wound. Well, Murray, it's a three-step process. Swaddle, apply pressure, kiss on the forehead. You ain't going to die. Not on my watch, baby. And she says she's okay. Shane spots a van. I got something to do real quick, and I'll be right back. I'm expecting him to get in the van and do something. I don't think the van was ever used again. He kept even... looking. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. This was such a weird cut. He kept talking to her, being like, you're not going to die, and looking at the an open van. And I was like, oh, he's going to get in that van. No, he never does. Cut to Shane sneaking up on a dead dude unknowingly. 
we're in a lumber yard, so there's got to be some kind of – whenever we're in a factory, there has to be a conveyor belt working in an abandoned old factory. I was waiting for the theme of Twin Peaks to start up. So there's, like, firewood on a conveyor belt moving. Right. And so more slap fighting, and then the guy gets thrown into some giant saw blades. It's just, like, split like fucking tree trunks. Yeah, it just caught him right in the fucking neck. And there's not a, They don't even use lines anymore. Shane finally makes it to the office where the colonel is waiting, where with Uncle. And, of course, Shane walks in. He's got his gun drawn. Uh, colonel is just waiting there with the gun also drawn. Oh, Shane, I knew you'd come. Have a seat. This is the best line, Sensei. Come on. Maybe another time. Maybe another time. And he's like, don't you know you're a dead man? And he's just like... Well, the definition of death is emptiness, and therefore, I've been dead a long, long time, baby. A long, long time. Because I, I would like to let you know that I fought for my country for 14 years, and then I was married, and I then I got thrown into prison for six years, and I was without my wife, and she sent me a laminated letter in the mail, and I read it in the rain, and it did not wash away. So in between Colonel and Shane is Uncle. He's like, his back is to Shane. Colonel goes, yeah, that's a fucked up story. Kicks Uncle out of the way, and then they're ready for a, a fucking fight. They they take shots at each other. They both miss it. They they know gung fu, whatever. Of course, Sensei closes in on him. It's over. Yeah. As Colonel, soon as he closes I'm, in, I'm like, it's like I don't know why, but hope springs eternal. I'm like, because because uh, fucking Colonel gets in a martial arts stance, yes. ready to go. And I'm like, all right, he's gonna, they're going to have a fucking kick-ass fight. No, this, this, he fucking handles Colonel like nothing. They even, Waxman even did an artistic shot. They got the camera on the ground looking up to make uh, Colonel look a little bigger and everything. And I was like, oh, are we actually going to have? Nope, just a slap fight. He literally just walks right into him. That's all he has to do. And I got to tell you, based on Seagal's stature, yeah, that's how you win a fight. You you take a couple blows and just pin the guy to a wall where now you have him. You have all it's your like wrestling weight. wrestling a bear. It really is. And so he's just got him pegged against the wall. A fucking colonel tries to throw a leg at him. He catches it. and it's You're done. You're fucking done. He's got him by the face and just slamming his head. Yeah, repeatedly, and he's a bloody mess. Just leaves him, obviously concussed. Uh, Shane grabs Uncle and he just walks out there. Because remember, he's not a killer, even though he is a killing machine. So he shows mercy, like you're supposed to do, and turns his back on his enemy. Right. Grabs Uncle, walks out the door. He's coming down the stairs. Everybody's so excited. But, Murray, we've seen this in every movie. you got to check that pulse. Colonel so, gets up, grabs his AK. Starts uh, hobbling out to the door. <laughs> Remember, the whole point of Tia doing this is for Uncle. Who does she scream out? Shane! Shane! Look out! And he just doesn't even look back. He just puts his hands up, holding the detonator, pushes the button. Yeah. The fucking whole fucking, I think it was, it was a cider mill. It wasn't a lumber mill. Because <laughs> there was fucking fucking donuts flying and shit. All those fucking compressed apples that you press in a cider is that's highly combustible. People highly don't know combustible, that. Yes, yeah. you got to be careful if you're using an apple bong because uh, <laughs> once you start doing that with an apple, it's highly combustible. So uh, 
colonel is like like incinerated. He's just a bloody pile of meat. And then we we won the day. It's over. Vlad is just like my hero. And then we cut to. I'm assuming it's somewhere in Russia, probably the real place, the lair that that uh, Putin is given to uh, Seagal. Oh, you know what? They actually said this on. Um... Uh, Wikipedia, I believe the, they said the last two shots were done in Louisiana and Atlanta. And I'm like, where in Atlanta or Louisiana is this shot? Well, it did look like a bayou, so maybe... A bayou? Was, man, okay, maybe, so it, it might have been Louisiana. It was like, maybe it was the, the Delta. Yeah, I remember it being on the water. Okay, we see uh, Tia get out of the bathtub, get ready for her man. We're like, all right, she's with Sergey because they had this little thing together and they, they're age they're appropriate. Age appropriate. You know, he's got flippy hair. She's got flippy hair. She's got lip injections. She's got lip injections. I'm like, this works. And, and then, then I'm like, oh, wait, it's a cigar movie. So I'm waiting for her to get out of the bathtub, fully clean, with the towel, covering everything. He's in there. In the bed. Wearing his Naga High jacket. <laughs> which he is wearing in this scene. Comforters pulled over his his lap. Just sitting on the edge of the bed. Some well, sometimes remember in, in uh when they had the, the ending strip scene in Kill Kill Switch, he's like leaning against a doorway watching. Oh my so, god. That's right. Yeah. Oh my god. We've been trying to remember the <laughs> DVD movies we've done so far. We did the archaeology one and the kill switch one. With I don't the remember seconds. the archaeology one at all. Oh, that I was like a year ago. All so I, I remember was he had a little like pee on. He would be sitting over here like, yeah, baby, just go ahead and <laughs> yeah, dust that. Yeah. He's wearing his leather jacket in the desert, like dusting off an artifact. Egypt, middle of the day, sun bearing on him. Full leather duster. I don't remember what it's called. I'm sure it was three words. Yeah. Deadly was in one of the words. Yeah. I don't know. Deadly as architect. <laughs> architect? <laughs> or archaeologist. So, yeah. No. Tia is, of course, with fucking Shane. Of course, she and is. And then Shane's like, don't worry, baby. Your uncle is an American citizen now. I'm not to celebrate my new life and my new wife. And boom, boom, boom. If they had original music, great spot for it. They don't. That's why we had to use freeze frame because it's appropriate. I don't know. I, I, I felt good. It feels good. Everybody knows we trashed the gall. I hate ever having to talk it's bad. Just, well, it's just beautiful that we, we could. Oh, he's the one person left who's, um, oh, who's American, at least, who's not self-aware. Yeah, that's the problem. Killing our our business. There's too many self. That's why we don't do modern movies. There's too much self awareness. Right, and that's the other thing. It feels bad anytime we do a modern movie. It's just us having to shit on it, and it's there's very rarely like a modern movie where like wow they actually did this well. It's it, a rarity. It happens it, every once in a while. Yeah. Blind squirrel finds a nut. B- blind squirrel finds a nut. It's just everyone. Ugh, I don't know. It's just like there's a, a nut there. I. I'm going to tease it a little. I don't think we're going to do it. If we do it, it won't be till November because October is coming up. But I think I found another misunderstood genius named Mark Swetland. Oh, man. I think he only did one movie, wrote, directed, starred in it, Blood and Steel. I recommend it to Abra. She said it was great. I think she did. I don't know if she's seen it yet. It's on YouTube. Blood and Steel. I recommend you check it out. Yeah, that's right. I I took a peek at that, I believe. Um, But next week... 
we've been teasing for a couple months now. We've been talking about how much we're how fans we are of William Friedkin. Not so much his movies, just what a what an asshole he can be. And that's how refreshing that is. That he's a maverick, that he does whatever he wants. One of the last few people, there's so many people now, they're like, Can I please direct a Marvel movie? I'll do whatever you say. I it's just been my dream to direct. Yeah. No, this guy's like, I do what the fuck I want. Which and if is you don't how, like it, fuck you. Which is how I've always understood directors to be. This is my fucking movie now. In the 70s, it was. In his heyday, that was the whole Maverick. You had Coppola, Scorsese, even like George Lucas and Spielberg did their own thing. Like whenever I... when I, That was the one good... Talk about, we'll talk about good thing about Hell Comes to Frogtown. That's what Roger Corman did. He just said, look, keep it under budget, put some titties in it, and do what you want. Right. I was, I, I was just going to say, it's like whenever I try to get somebody into movies... I'm always like, yeah, what movies do you like? Who directed it? Who wrote it? Like, go backwards from there. Like, try to figure out their It's all about IP now, Griff. It ain't about, like, auteurs. Right. Tarantino's probably the last one. No, I was just going to say, there's a few. Like, people are really into the Ari Arister guy, the guy who did Midsummer, Midsummer, or whatever it's uh, pronounced. Yeah, he did Bo is Afraid. He did uh, Hereditary. So there's very few people who are directors who get to direct. I mean, you got they want. you got Wes Anderson, you got yes. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes, like there are few. Yes, but, they, but their careers started in the '90s. So yes. it's like there's no new people. I I mean, I'm sure there are. They're just not in the theater circuit, which is disappointing because it's like we have a theater circuit for a fucking reason. These people, it needs to be out there. No, everything's got to be a big spectacle based on a toy. Thank you. Next week, this isn't a movie about a toy. And I just found this out, and I I want you to do me a favor, Griff. Please. Don't look don't look into this movie we're going to do. Just Ever. watch it just because you're going to be pleasantly surprised. A G&G favorite, I found <gasps> out, is in this movie. Oh, my I'm God. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you're going to be pleasantly surprised. I already got nine say. names in my head. It's William Friedkin's, Friedkin's To Live and Die in L.A. We're going to pay honor to this guy. We did cruising, so we know we like Friedkin. Yeah. Uh, Very responsible with his gay movie, too. William Peterson, I put him in un- file under fake tough guy, but Willem Dafoe is in it as well. He's Ooh, the bad guy. Yeah. So he balances oh, out. Oh, I like it. Well, your hero's never as good as your villain. I checked. This is on uh, Internet Archives, so it is available. It is? Okay. It's the only place it's available. I, I looked it. For like, free on the Internet? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So check that out. And then after that, Schlocktober starts. What a schlock. Do you even want to tease any Schlocktober yet? No. We're going to have a couple guests at least. Okay. And I'm, I, we might do like a tippy-tap. I'm thinking I'm think my mind, what can we do tippy-tap-wise? But well, it's going to be fun. I, I can think of, well, that might not be quite there. Well, we'll talk about that off the mic. So tune in next week to Live and Die in L.A. And keep it warm.